Lighthouse was designed to provide light in times of darkness and encourage unity through partnerships and collaborations on our unbiased all-in-one platform that integrates the best features of video hosting, social media, and e-commerce. Browse a creator's store while watching their video and check your newsfeed while continuing to watch the video. Create a post, build communities with groups, or make a custom page. Shop your favorite products while continuing to watch the video and simply close the video player at any time. Welcome to Kingdom in Context. I'm Sean. Thanks for joining us tonight. Tonight we have a really fun discussion about the specifically the 364-day calendar. We're going to have some guests on to talk about it. I want to say thank you to everyone that's already here or, or if you've clicked on this video because you're interested in the topic. It's a really fun topic. It's one that um, I personally don't have a, a final conclusion on. I've still been studying it for the last few years. And so that's um, I'm excited to also hear what these brothers have to say and to see what they've been researching about this particular topic. As you may have seen coming in, um, we are excited to announce that um, this is a, a new series on our buddy's channel, West Blaze Music. His channel, we're going to be doing this new show, Uncommon Ground, Biblical Cosmological Series. Very fitting, considering tonight we'll be talking about the actual heavens, right? The, the sun, the moon, uh, how they are following their paths and courses in the heavens to help us determine the Moedims, the seasons, and uh, just to have a, the calendar of the Creator. And so... There's been a lot of prophecy about how that calendar would be messed up over time. And there's been documentation in history about certain pagan kings that tried to literally change the, the calendar of Israel. And so it's our fun adventure. It's our honor of kings to search out that original information if possible. And this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. So I just want to thank everyone that is already here. We already have a lot of people in the chat. So that's always encouraging. I want to say hello to, to just a few of you. If I can, thank you for joining us tonight. Wendy Russell's back. Paul Disciple. Sister Payne. Psalm 119, Carrie Erez, Jasmine W, AC, Miss Marsha, Blue Doves. Welcome, everyone. Hannibal's back. Cover to cover with Jeremy Pierce, Earl Rogers, Blossom, Jim Newport's back. Mashiach Kim is back. Timothy Bates, Jubion Kenobi, West Blaze Music is here. I also want to thank you to all the moderators in the chat. Guys, um, I know we're going to be going through information, or, or at least uh, our guests are going to be going through some information that they've brought to present. So we'll take questions at the end of it okay so as always with moderators if you'd remind everybody to put their questions in all capitalization and then wait to ask them until we actually get to the q a part so their their question doesn't get lost in the chat so all right guys without further ado let's bring on our brothers from my house ministry all right so we have micah kissling and zach Struherrick from myhouseministry.net welcome brothers 
Awesome, Sean. Thanks for having us on. We're uh, super excited to be here. I know this is a a long overdue uh, video discussion that we've been, you know, trying to plan and put together for for a long time here. So, you know, we're thankful to be to be on with you and to be discussing the the calendar and specifically the the Zadok Priestly calendar. So, you know, one that's uh, very near and dear to our hearts, and it's uh, actually what connected Micah and myself uh, a number of years ago now. And, you know, we're, we're just excited to, excited to discuss it and talk about it and uh, really, you know, sharpen some iron because um, there, there's a number of things that I believe the, the body truly needs to come together on so we can, you know, put the final puzzle pieces together and really understand Raiders calendar. Awesome. Micah, welcome, brother. Can you hear my, us? Yes, my mic was still muted. Sorry, guys. Um, you may have to remind me of that a few times because I don't do a ton of these shows. But, uh, yeah, like Zach said, the calendar kind of brought us together. And um, it's been an amazing uh, journey of friendship, but also learning a ton of stuff uh, in the meantime. And we are excited to share. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, Zach normally does our PowerPoints, but he's been super busy. So I took a PowerPoint that I made way back when I first was researching everything and put it together tonight. So the graphics aren't as good as they normally are, but uh, we're going to do our best here tonight. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great, guys. I appreciate appreciate you coming on, being willing to talk about this. Um, I know you guys, both of you have, have given presentations on this information and your study over these calendar ideas um, at previous conferences in the past. And you do have your own YouTube channel. And um, I'm, are these presentations up on your YouTube channel in full? Uh, they're actually not on ours. There is one on the uh, the Waywalk channel, which is where uh, almost coming up on two years from now, we did a three, uh, three part series. Um, so I can send you the links on those. So you can link them in the chat later for people to check out um, sure. the part series on the Waywalk channel. And then we did an, an abridged version um, at the Take on the World conference, which was also in uh, 2019, um, which was a, a great intro video to people who uh, really want to kind of, you know, understand this calendar in a, in a quick hour, hour long session um, at the, and that's on the, the take on the world uh, YouTube channel. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome guys. Well, who, who would like to start first? So just as a, as a, I guess to a quick introduction for the audience to understand that, um, you know, this, this is a question a lot of folks in biblical communities and also specifically tour observant communities have been researching this topic and, yep. My wife and I have been researching this topic, and we actually came across your information, your calendar. And because I'm such a scholar, if you will, I, I mean, I say that in a way, I'm such a, I've done a lot of research on the book of Jubilees and Enoch. Let's put it like that. And, you know, my, my audience knows that. We talk about them a lot. Uh, because we've done that, um, I gravitated towards your calendar because it's based off of what Jubilees and Enoch talks about, a 364-day calendar. And so... Because to me, that it just makes perfect sense with a whole bunch of concepts, right? And I'll let you guys go into all those concepts. But uh, just to the audience that's watching, my wife and I have been following the calendar that our brothers, Mike and Zach, are going to present tonight. And uh, I, I, I still, if you don't follow this calendar, I tell everyone, let it not become a point of divisiveness. Let it not become a point of contention. Uh, let it be a point of personal conviction to you. Do your own homework. Do your research. We're going to try to you know, hopefully present to you tonight some information to help you with that research. But at the same time, please don't let it become a point of argumentation in the live chat. And um, and let's just uh, go through the information and have fun studying. Sound Absolutely. good, guys? 
Yeah. That, and that, that's, you know, we're, we are in the same boat. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, many in our, in our fellowships, um, in our, you know, in, in the groups that we are coming in contact with who differ on opinions as well. And, you know, we're still able to keep fellowship with them. We're still able to, you know, love on them and celebrate with them and come together and, you know, even, even keep, you know, feasts on, on different calendars and on different schedules, uh, because, you know, we are all still coming together to figure this out. So absolutely, Sean, do not let it be uh, something that is divisive that, you know, brings you apart from, uh, you know, partaking uh, with the, the the fellowship that you have, uh, because it it isn't, it isn't something that should be breaking us down, but is something that should be bringing us together in yeah. researching this and studying it out and, and coming together. And that's exactly how Micah and myself uh, met. So if I get into a little bit of the background of that, if, uh, if you don't mind. Um, so yeah, I think it was 2017 or, or there about, um, when I was on a, a calendar journey of my own, uh, you know, I had, pro I think, you know, we, we came into this about, uh, the year of, uh, about 2012 or so, uh, around the calendar, you saw the, the blood moon tetrads and all of these things that, you know, were going on in the cosmos that were bringing people towards, Torah and our creator's calendar and, and wanting a deeper understanding of it. Um, and I, I think it was probably uh, a different calendar every year we kept uh, as, you know, we came into this Torah journey as a family, my, my wife and I and, and her parents um, and, you know, with the, the small fellowship that we have here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, and it was probably a different calendar every year because, you know, you watch a video and you're like, oh, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then the next year, you're, you know, the feast days start coming back up. You watch another video and you're like, Oh man, their, their calendar makes sense. You know, you start gravitating towards that, and uh, it was it was probably around uh, 2017 um, when I was getting ready to kind of just throw in the towel again on on another calendar. Um, and I had been posting some some different comments on on my personal you know Facebook page and some different groups that I was in, uh, and I was really questioning the the role of the moon and this idea of a, of a 13th month that we seem to add the Adar Bet that you don't really see in scripture, yet every moon-based calendar has to have one to kind of intercalate and then, you know, reset the, the years as you as you go forward. Well, uh, uh, Micah had reached out to me. He saw a couple of the, the live streams that we did um, back on the Now You See TV when we were doing the Torah portions. He said, you know, you might want to check out this calendar. Um, it's uh, it's some pretty interesting to some of the stuff you've been posting and the questions that you've been having. And um, I, like I said, I was getting ready to throw in the towel. It was, we were about to start the year. Um, and it was actually the day of uh, the start of the year on the moon based calendar. And it just didn't feel like the, the start of the year to me. So lo and behold, I go and I click on this link um, and it says the Zadok Priestly calendar. And it really shot to my heart because we were uh, expecting our son at that time. We were about a month away uh, from, from having our second child. And we had felt that, uh, the Lord that Yahuwah was really putting on our heart to name our son Zadok of all names. Uh, so the name kept appearing to us over and over again in scripture, and we had never really seen it connected to a calendar before. So when Micah sent me this, you know, someone who I'd never even really met before, man, it really touched me and, and, and connected with me based on kind of where we felt that Yah was, was leading us. And man, every single thing in this video, uh, was a gentleman by the name of Jerry Morris, 
who has since since passed, but he was really a, one of the front runners in the, the Zadok Priestly calendar. He really was laying out some information that seemed to just be checking off all of the boxes and these you know specific items that had I had been studying towards the calendar. Um, and it really connected myself and Micah. And over over the next year, uh, we really put a lot of time in, in study and research into the calendar. Uh, and it's it's been a, a really really fun journey. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And I had. Just my quick end of that story, I had been studying the calendar for a year really, really hard. I looked at every calendar I could get my hands on, um, the Lunar Sabbath, you know, all the all different versions of the, the lunar calendars and, and Enoch 360 calendar that some people keep and a whole bunch of different things. And um, it was, it was like the last day or the day after the year had started, I think, in March for a lot of the lunar, a lot of my friends and the calendars they were keeping. Um, and... Um, I just knew I hadn't gotten the answer. And I had, I had gone before the father on the last day of Sukkot, um, the, the previous year. And I just said, I have, I have searched so hard for this answer and I don't feel like I've gotten it. I'm just going to drop it. And if you want me to be on your calendar, on your calendar next year, then I just need you to show me what it is. And so we got to that day and I went to paint my daughter's bedroom that night and turned on a YouTube video to listen while I painted. Um, and uh, what I heard was this, and it was the first calendar video I had watched or study I had read or anything since um, the end of Sukkot. And um, so I think it was on March 19th. It was after everybody else had already started their year and I was frustrated. And then I start hearing this. And then when I, when I dug into the calendar, it started on the 21st. So we hadn't gotten there yet. And uh, so it was just super exciting to me. It answered so many questions like Zach said, but yeah, we're excited to share with you. And so, Zach, I don't know if you want, if you have anything else you want to share before you go ahead and um, and share your screen, but I'm ready to jump in when you are. Absolutely. Yep. We'll, we'll kind of jump, jump right into it, Sean, unless there's anything you want to, you know. No, the only thing I want to say is that I think the, this calendar issue, because like I said, I, you know, I study the scripture literally all day, every day. <laughs> A lot of people, you know, I've jokingly come up with this term word nerd because Literally, that's that's all I do. And this is why some people don't like me. But at the same time, I, I come to this from a, a very inquisitive mind, right? Because I'm trying to figure out if the father has told us in his information, then surely we should be able to figure it out. Right. It should be accessible for us. We just it's just our responsibility to, to research it. And when I looked and I saw that back in the days of even the prophet Enoch and he's talking and he's getting a you know this grand celestial tour of the of the luminaries by the angels. Yeah both the sun and the moon and how they work in their courses. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, all right, so even when, you know, towards closer towards creation than we are, the prophet Enoch, even he's getting this tour of the heavens and how the sun and moon works. And he's, it's having to be explained to him that they're not completely synchronous, that the moon actually has a very different path that has to have, has to have calculation involved. And to me, I was, I always thought to myself like, now why didn't the father just make that simple? Why didn't he just make it move in the same way the sun moves? Easily calculable, easily determinable, you know, very sick. But instead he threw in this like this little monkey wrench into what would be simple in my mind. But I'm sure there's a greater reason he had. And, you know, one of those reasons could simply be the fact that it causes our natural curiosity to want to search it out. And then we yep. fall into Romans chapter one, verse 19 and 20. Right, that, that his invisible qualities and unseen nature is evident in what's been made. So it points us to the Father. And so hopefully tonight, everyone watching, this information will point you to the Father, right? This journey, this study of this stuff. So let's jump right into it, guys. 
Absolutely. And kind of a perfect, perfect segue there, Sean, as we jump into it. Um, and we'll hit on this a little bit more, but that was where I was at too. Why, why, you know, you've all seen the, the 119 ministries, the creator's time clock. You know, we have the, the sun that is the day, the moon that is the month, the stars of the year. And we want everything to fit in this perfect bubble, right? We want it to just be as simple as we make it in our minds. But there are times when, when he says, you know, you have to trust me, you have to rely on me. And if it was just the, the moon, that we were watching for, well, we can start to make the moon an idol. I mean, how many people are chasing the the sliver versus the conjunction and, and having all these fights and debates? I mean, you get into sun worship, you know, if you're only focusing on the sun. I mean, we, we'd see people that are that worship the stars and your focus can can shift to an object, you know, citing the seeing the barley sheafs in, in the land and making that, you know, the say all be all. There's so many little things that we can make, you know, idols in our calendar research and we're not relying on him i believe that the 364 day calendar i believe that is so perfect and so precise and it requires us to see these signs see the things that are taking place but at the end we are relying on him in his ways and not the ones that we're making up in in our minds so i think that's a perfect segue into into this topic so i'm going to share my screen here and, and bear with me uh, I hope hope uh, hope this works easy. So, you know, so we kind of went into our calendar testimony a little bit, um, but we do want to share just a, a few couple verses that always seem to to stick out when we're discussing this. And and Sean touched on one, you know, uh, Proverbs twenty five two. It's the glory of Elohim to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search that matter out. That's the the one thing that we're gonna implore everyone to do tonight. Don't trust us. Don't trust the things that. We're saying and presenting, but dig into the scriptures, you know, rely on him, lean on him for understanding and not, you know, men or, or, or other people. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to Yahuwah, our Elohim, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this Torah, this law. And Isaiah 30, 21, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So we want to make sure that we are following him, that we are following his ways, and that we are following his guidance and instruction. So I'll turn it over to you, Micah. You tell me where to go and we'll we'll head on right through it. Yeah, let's let's jump to the next slide. And um, so this is a structure of the calendar. Basically, what you're seeing here is you've got four quarters going horizontally, and, and each of the four quarters are structured exactly the same. So you've got the, the year begins on a fourth day of the week, uh, what we, we understand to be Wednesday today. Um, and then if you look down, each quarter begins on a Wednesday, on a fourth day of the week. Each And so all of the months in each quarter match all of the months in the next quarter, each of the three months. So you've got Passover on the 14th, and then you've got uh, the 15th is the first day of unleavened bread, just like you know we all understand. And then you've got this is a little bit of a, uh, we'll try to touch on it later, but first fruits is on a little different day than a lot of people understand, but it, it literally tells us that uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls that that's the date that they observed it. Um, and then you've got Shavuot. And anyway, so it's just, a, it's a real precise calendar. It, it always follows um, the exact same pattern. You never have overlapping Shabbats. So you won't have a, a feast day on a Shabbat. The feasts all have their own day every year. Every day of uh, or every feast day and every Shabbat are on the same exact day of the year, 
for eternity. It never changes. It's very precise and it's it's really awesome actually uh, when you really uh, look at it and it all unfolds. Yeah, that for me that was one of the big things that you know seemed to jump out on me. You know, it was a weekly Sabbath, yet we were preparing for the for the Pesach one year, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, he's telling me forever, forever, I'm I'm supposed to be resting on this day, yet I'm preparing to have a Passover meal. How does this seem to be making sense? How does this seem to be working out? Um, you know, that was again one of the boxes that checks for me on this perfect and precise calendar that every single date is also correlated with every single day. That you know, each and every year, that the same day of the week is the same date that the feasts are going to fall on. So, Passover, for example, is going to be on a Tuesday every single year. That is perfect and that's precise, and that's something that we can, you know, count and look forward to uh, in this calculation. The one thing that I think I failed to mention, or we failed to mention, Sean touched on it briefly, uh, just as we were so eager and excited to jump into this, is that with this calendar, you know, we're going to be using the Torah, we're going to be using the, the the scriptures that are considered canon, and we're also going to be relying heavily on, you know, Enoch and Jubilees uh, to fill in some of the gaps and details that you know, our canon leaves out, as well as writings that were found in Qumran, uh, through the Dead Sea Scrolls that were kept by who we believe to be Zadokite priests. And we'll probably get to that here uh, a little bit later uh, that, you know, we're detailing this calendar for us. So when you hear us reference the, the scrolls, um, that is what we're going to be referencing. Some of these records that were kept by what we believe to be Zadokite priests, true priests of, of the line of, of Zadok that were, you know, keeping this calendar after they had been exiled uh, after the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, where we believe a, a false priesthood was, was put in, the calendar was changed, you know, Daniel prophesied that he will change the times, the seasons, and the law. Um, so, you know, that was one thing that I, I think we failed to mention in, in this segue. Uh, so when you hear us referring to the scrolls, that is what we'll be referring to, um, you know, in, in, this, in this talk. Now, Zach, can yeah, I just, real quick, real yeah, quick, we, we, when we have the calendar on screen here, now, you guys, I just saw the audience. I want to make sure the audience is following, okay? Because um, when you guys were talking about how every feast day is going to be on the same day of the week every year in this calendar, and I just want to make sure they understand that we're not, you're, you literally mean the seven-day week. You don't mean the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. So, like, today in the Gregorian calendar is, is March 8th. So, it's not going to be the same, you know, March 8th is not going to be the same day of the year every year on the week. No. but. So we got to, in a way, we have to like flip our brain from thinking the way the Gregorian calendar keeps days every year, like the same days of holidays every year, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving, that kind of stuff. So this is more aligned with literally the seven day week as a standard and then going forward with 52 weeks in a year. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so yes and no, it's it's not going to be the same date on the Gregorian calendar. It's going to be the same date on Yah's calendar. So, you know. Pesach, the Passover is always the 14th day of the first month, but it's right. also always the third day of the fir- of the week. So it's always going to be, you know, the third day of the week in the 14th day of, of the first month. So it is yes. the same day and date on his calendar, but not the same date on the Gregorian calendar. I, I thank you for, for pointing that out. That is, that is key. Um, so it's, I always reference it to like, uh, you know, the, the 4th of July, right? You're, you're celebrating on, on the 4th day of July every year, regardless of the day of the week it falls on. Uh, Thanksgiving, it's always on the 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 fourth, Tuesday, the 4th Thursday of the month, regardless of the date it falls on. For Yah's calendar, 
the Passover is going to fall on the same day and date of his calendar, uh, you know, not the Gregorian calendar. So it's pretty cool and pretty precise to see how that ends up working out. Yeah, I, I think it yeah. would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, it's the difference is, is like you said, it's the eighth day or the 14th day will always be on a Tuesday. It's because it's a 364 day calendar, which keeps it's divisible by seven. So yeah. So it, Zach, if you want to go ahead and jump to the next slide and um, I will go ahead and, um, and share here. So the, the bottom of this next slide, it's a, a quote from the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, from a, a document called 4Q320. It says, to show it from the east and to cause it to shine in the middle of heaven in the foundation of creation from evening till morning, there is full moon on the fourth day in the week of the sons of Gamul in the first month of the first year. Now, there's a, little, a lot to unpack here, and we're probably not going to be able to get into the priestly courses, but the sons of Gamul are one of the 24 priestly courses from First uh, Chronicles 24. And um, they're very key in this calendar. There's two courses that are mentioned a lot in the Dead Sea Scrolls in conjunction with the calendar specifically, and Gamul is one of them. Um, but this is the reason, well, Genesis 1.14 Elohim said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. This happened on the fourth day of the week. This is what that's when he created the luminaries. And so we're seeing that, that that's the reason that this calendar starts on the fourth day of the week every single year. Uh, just a quick side note, uh, the Messiah, the light of the world, is the door, the Dalit which is the fourth letter uh, in the uh, Hebrew Aleph Beit, and he came in the fourth millennium. So it just it, it's amazing how many boxes are ticked. And in Enoch 72, we'll talk about this in a little bit, it says the sun comes forth from the fourth gate. That's the first law of the luminaries um, and uh, the fourth portal in the middle of heaven. So it's really cool. If you, if you want to jump to the next slide, Zach, I'm, I'm uh, done with that one unless you have something to add. No, and, and I love this slide, you know, that we're segueing to because, again, it, it breaks down just how easy a 364-day calendar is. Um, so, you know, Enoch 72 tells us that each quarter of the year contains 91 days, uh, a monthly pattern of 30, 30, 31. And this is something that I struggled with through, when I was reading through Enoch and was, you know, leaning towards a, you know, lunar-based calendar. Because with a lunar-based calendar, you can only get an average of 29 and a half days. You know, you'll, you'll never get to that, that 31st day to have a month. So with Enoch, you're, you're kind of wrestling with this idea. You know, he lays out in, in one chapter how the moon works and, and the cycles of the moon. And then in another, he's telling you that it's 30, 30, 31, 30, 30, 31. And it's so cool to be able to see how perfect and precise that is. So this little graphic over here shows us 360 days, you know, 360 degrees. We know that is a perfect circle and it's divided up into, you know, four equal quadrants. And, you know, we have so that we have the uh, 90 days in each, each quadrant. And then the plus one is pretty cool because that's showing us the uh, the kind of the intercalary days of each month. They're the seasonal days. They're the segues that we have into each month. So we have the, the month of spring, you know, 30, 30, 30 days, three equal months. And then in that third month, we add a day 
and have that 31st day as our segue into summer. And we do that throughout the four seasons. So again, it's so perfect to see how everything breaks down precisely. 364 is perfectly divisible by seven, which is one of the very first instructions he gives us, right? Work six days, rest the seventh. Work six days, rest the seventh. We have this cycle of seven that we can continue doing, watching and observing year after year. That was the other thing that I really struggled with was this idea that, you know, we have this perfect counting of seven that we're doing, but our calendar isn't connected to that at all. With the Zadok Priestley calendar, the, the counting of seven is, is very vital and very important to the working of this calendar with it being a counting calendar. So guys, are you trying to say that there's portals, there's like wormholes in space between the galaxies and the sun that it's floating through at 666,000 miles an hour? Is that, what's, is that what we're saying? <laughs> we're we're going to get to biblical cosmology probably here in a couple of slides. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll get up to, to you and, and West Blaze Music to, to <laughs> Yeah, That's right. It'd be a great, very, well, great, great segment to have you guys on to that, uh, that new series starting next month. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the one last thing I wanted to add to this slide is um, it's amazing because the Dead Sea Scrolls is just full of calendrical uh, documents. Um, and in every single scroll, they all, if you don't, if you don't keep Enoch's calendar, um, they won't match anything else you keep. Uh, and if you make any, every single date in the entire, uh, all of the, the scrolls that were found in all different caves, they all match perfectly with Enoch's calendar. There's not one disagreement. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. All right. So if you want to jump to the next one there, Zach, this is just kind of another overview, a different look at the, uh, the 364-day calendar, um, 12 months of 30 days each. There's the four seasons. And like Zach said, you've got the four intercalary days, they're called in Enoch. Um, that divide up the quarters of the year, uh, 52 weeks, seven days per week, 13 weeks per season, just a really precise calendar. Uh, next. So this, this slide here is one of my favorite passages in the book of Enoch and in scripture, just uh, because I, I'm just very pa passionate about the calendar. And I wanted to say this earlier and I forgot, but, um, one of the re the main reason I think that I have gone so hard after the calendar is because as I studied the book of Jubilees, it, it was just amazing to me as it dates so many things that happened in scripture. How what I found is that almost every major thing that Yah did in scripture was on a Moed. And, and if you don't meet him on his Moedim, you're going to miss those major moves that he makes. And I don't want to miss them. And so to me, this is one of the most important studies uh, because I don't want to miss him when he's moving. I want to meet him and be ready when he's making those moves. It doesn't mean you're, you're sinning if you don't know any different and you're missing it. Uh, I, I'm definitely not going to say that. And a lot of people do, which I think is wrong. But I, I do think we'll miss out on blessings if we aren't there at the right time. So to me, it behooves us to search and dig as deep as we possibly can to find the answer. But anyways, um, Michael, you're not quick. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I wanted to expound on what you're saying because I love what you're saying. And I think uh, just for the audience real quick, when he mentions the word Moed or Moedim, guys, that is, the, is a Hebrew word for the, for the feast days, right? This is the appointed yeah. times. That's what he means by that. And so 
Um, I do agree with you, Micah. In Jubilees 44, we actually see this very interesting. By the way, I, I've done uh, previous videos where I like walk through Jubilees and show them how all these significant things were happening with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Noah, and all these people on the feast days. And um, and they, of course, knew the calendar properly. And so I, I love Jubilees 44 with uh, Jacob. Before he goes down to Egypt, he actually waits and celebrates um, first fruits with old grain because there's famine in the land. And he does it, and it says in the text, perchance he may get this answer from the Lord, whether he should go down to Egypt or not. He's wanting reassurance. And it does. It happens. An angel shows up to actually tell him, yeah, it's cool. Go down to Egypt. And specifically because he waited to celebrate first fruits, but the conditions of him celebrating that feast was not according to the letter of the law. Like So he didn't have actual new crop that year because there was a famine. So he celebrated with old grain. The father still blessed him and sent an angel yep. to give him a visitation with this special message. It's such an yep. encouragement. And so when you start to see that pattern in Jubilees, it's mind blowing how all yep. these angelic visitations are happening on the feast days. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It just, it is mind blowing. It's amazing. I mean, I mean, I, when I started reading Jubilees and really digging into that, I was just like, I sent Zach a message and I said, this is crazy. Every single one is on a feast day. All the, all the covenants are on Shavuot, every one. It's just amazing. But, um, but anyway, so this is the, how the year begins, according to Enoch. This is the first chapter of the luminaries section. It says, this is the first law of the luminaries. And then I'm just going to skip down to the, read the blue. First proceeds forth that great luminary, which is called the sun. And it goes forth in the first month, you know, so that is how the year starts. It doesn't start with sighting the sliver moon or looking for the, you know, trying to calculate the conjunction moon or anything like that. The year starts according to Enoch when the sun leaves the fourth gate, which is directly due east. If you're facing straight east, it's right in the center is where the sun will come forth from on the first day of the first month. So, um, to me, this is just amazing. It tells us so many things in this passage, you know, that it, it just proves, if you believe in Enoch, that this is a legitimate uh, book, then there's no other way to look at it, but you have to follow his, this calendar. Um, okay. So do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Cause this is this right here, this particular point is where I have the, my biggest questions and which uh -huh. is determining, okay, awesome. We get this instruction in chapter uh -huh. 72 of Enoch that it comes through this, this Western gate, which does it on the first of the month of the first of the year. And it's mm -hmm. considered the, the fourth gate, which is cool. But so where in the sky specifically would this be? See, do you see the picture well, behind me where I have this time-lapse, right? Photography. I was just gonna, have that I was just gonna reference your, your backdrop as yeah. you were talking about gates, because yeah. for me, I'm a, I'm a visual person. Uh, if you haven't been able to tell so far, guys, Micah is the brains behind the operation, and I'm just a guy who can who can be here to to talk and and uh, you know make make pretty graphics. Uh, but Micah, it, it, to, to explain to me what the gates are, he used the photo just like is behind Sean's head. So you know the 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 moon and the sun they rise and set. In, in different ways throughout the year. So seeing this photo behind Sean is a, is a perfect example of how gates are and how gates work. And as that sun uh, rises and sets in certain aspects of the sky, those are the gates uh, that Enoch is talking about. So the big question is, yeah. what is the gate yep. for this verse we have on screen here? What is the gate in the sky? Is that gonna be over like the equator or is it more- Well, like let's, go to the next, let's go to the next slide, Zach, if okay. you would. And um, 
So here's a description. Imagine you're standing in the center of this this uh, circle here, and you're okay. facing. It doesn't matter which direction you're facing, but let's say we're facing to the right here. You're facing straight east, okay? So what you have is you have um, the sun, the day after the equinox comes forth out of the fourth gate. Uh, the, the Enoch describes it as the day of equal day and night. Um, the sun comes forth out of the fourth gate just to the to the north or to the left if you're facing east. Uh, just to the north or left of center, direct center. And it travels for 30 days. That is the, it travels northward in your, on the horizon in the sky, 30 days worth of time. And I, where, uh, I just sold my house, but where I lived, I had a, a really good view of both the eastern and western horizons. So I could stand behind my house and look to the east and I could watch over 30 days, the sun would travel a certain distance every day until it reached a, a 30 days worth of travel farther north every time it rose uh, or one day worth of travel each day it would move just a little farther north and it goes then it goes uh, to the second month in the fifth gate the third month in the sixth gate then it will stop on the summer solstice as the world calls it the day that's the longest day of the year and it'll reverse course so that's one of the season changing days It'll reverse course and it'll come back for 30 days in the sixth gate. Uh, and that's um, month four. And then month five is in uh, gate five. Month six, the sun travels through uh, gate four. And then the, the fall equinox, it crosses over into the third gate and goes for 30 days in month seven. 30 days in uh, month two is, is uh, or sorry, in gate two is month eight. 30 days in, in uh, gate one is month nine. Then it does that same reversal for a day um, at the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, then comes back month 10 in gate one, 30 days going north again. Gate two is month 11, gate three is month 12, and then it crosses back into the fourth gate to begin the year again. Um, that is how it works. And you can actually, if you stand and look on the horizon, look at the horizon from the east or the west, depending on if you watch in the morning or the night, sunrise or sunset, you'll actually see an enormous amount of movement north to south of the sun throughout the course of the year. It moves really far north and really far south uh, at, at the time it rises. Uh, it's actually shocking when you pay attention to it. Okay. Okay. So, so we, I don't know we, if that, if that answered know. your question, but this is a better description on like a, a flat earth model, a biblical model where it's got the moon here and you see, gate one two three four five six so the sun at the equinox at the the first day of the year will go into the fourth and slowly move farther north as it travels in a circle and then it'll you know travel through the fifth sixth and then start coming back and it just keeps going back and forth back and forth uh you know year after year and the moon moves through those same portals as well but um in a lot different pattern than the sun okay so you're saying that the gate mentioned in Enoch 72 would be on pick. Is that, is that the one you're trying to depict on screen here with the number one yep. on the outer outer ring? So yeah, yeah. Number, number one, four. Number four is, yep, is the fourth gate. That's where the sun, it goes from three into four on the first day of the year. Yep. Okay. And then it just slow, slowly goes north until the summer solstice, and then it turns and comes back 
but it's always continuing to circle, you know, right, circle right. around and around and around at the same time, but it moves north and south in the process of circling. And Enoch describes it as a chariot that it rides on that takes it north and south as it goes in a circle around the face of the earth. Yeah, I... And here's that picture, Sean, that you have behind you. For six months, this guy photographed the sunset from the same spot in Athens, and you can see the sun, the pattern of, of it setting, and you can almost see the gates in the heavens. So, you know, you've got uh, right in the center would be that fourth gate. That would have been at the time of one of the equinoxes. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And, I, you know, I've been both studying but also watching the luminaries and watching how they actually match what Enoch said has just been such an awesome experience. So if you want to jump to the next slide, Zach, um, and feel free, Sean, like you have been, just if you, if you have questions, you know, you're going to represent the audience better than we can. So if there's questions that you think that should be asked, definitely stop us. But here's this slide shows us the, the degree or the angle of the sun in reference to us on at different months of the year. So you can see how from our perspective, it looks like the sun is, is rising super high in the sky and coming down low in the winter time, depending on what season you're in. Um, but of course that's from our vantage point, but it's, it's just because it's moving in and out of those gates or back and forth across our, our, uh, point of reference on the horizons. And the next slide has a similar view as well, a little different one. It shows you uh, where the sun's path is at the summer solstice, the two equinoxes is in the middle, and then the winter solstice is all the way to the right. Um, and you can kind of get a feel from our perspective, standing on earth, what it looks like the sun's doing with this slide. And, and Micah, you know, you, the, the picture I have behind me that you also use in your slides, that mm -hmm. is, um, you said that was shot from Athens, Greece. Yeah. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So yep. the reason I'm bringing this up is because people in the audience may be wondering, well, these these instructions from Enoch 72, where it talks about the six different gates and how the sun goes different gates throughout the year. Well, what's the vantage point from Enoch doing this? Like what, you know, how, mm -hmm. what vantage point on the, on the plane of the earth looking up at the, the rotating sun in the sky as he's seeing this this motion to know you know that kind of concept and i would suggest it's the garden of yeah. eden because we've we've done like vast uh studies especially which, when you read jubilees it literally says he was taken into the garden of eden uh for a purpose and uh, until the day he dies and so uh, that's this is where he gets to spend 300 years with the angels and get all this kind of discourse and this instruction on all these things on the incredible clock of the heavens and so I think, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, Athens, Greece is approximately the same latitudinal line as Israel area. I think so, the, yeah. Across the Mediterranean a little bit. It's a little bit north, but yeah, so I'm just cool. saying the vantage point of looking up would be very, very similar to what Enoch might have seen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you go super far north, it might be a little more difficult, but, um, you know, there's a there's a debate whether you should use the, the equilux, which is the day of equal day and night, or the equinox uh, to determine when your, you know, when your calendar starts or to help determine that. Um, a lot of people like to go with the equilux because it matches the English 
in the book of Enoch that says equal day and night. The issue I have with the equal lux is in um, the far north and the far south, if you use the equal lux, there isn't ever an equal lux. There's never a day of equal day and night in the far north and far south. Um, and at, at each, um, I mean, it takes it takes quite a difference in latitude to, to see a difference. But like from um, maybe Alabama to Canada, somewhere up in Canada, you'll see a day of difference in Equilux if you just look on any site online that tells you when the Equilux happens. But sure. if you use the Equinox, the Equinox is on the same day every time for the entire Earth. So... That's why I lean towards that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that Enoch probably did see it like somewhere around the 33rd parallel approximately. Uh, but I, I think it would work almost anywhere in the world, maybe accepting the very far north and south. Oh, you, you did it now, Micah. You said that you said the 33. Now we're Illuminati confirmed. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Keep your hands below the screen, everybody. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right. So only rolling the hand gesture with her elbows now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, just to kind of, to, to, you know, add to that a little bit, you know, to your question, Sean, about the, the different vantage points, you know, the, the more, you know, central we are around that same, you know, line of, of Israel, of, of Athens, Greece, you're going to see more of a severity in the gates and, and the changes are going to be easier to see, you know, the more, you know, North and South you get, they're not going to be, um, you know, as, great of, of changes from that central location, but you still are able to see and observe. Uh, and the big thing for me is, you know, this is just the sign of the start of the year. It is just one of the, the many signs that we use as confirmation. It's again, with a precise cl counting clock, it is something that we can track year after year, but we are using this sign as confirmation of this counting. Yep. So that's what's great. Um, in the understanding of it, it's it's not like the, you know, conjunction moon where you have to go out and sight it. And if you don't, oh boy, you know, let, let's let's add a day just because it was cloudy. You know, it's a precise counting calendar. And this is just a confirmation of that, which to me is is so relaxing and it allows me to rest assured. You know, I, I remember the years doing the sighting calendar and just thinking, well, because they couldn't sight it in Israel because it was cloudy. That means that y'all put those clouds there and, and we automatically add a day and just default that that's the that that's the time we're supposed to start. That doesn't sound very precise. You know, yeah. when you got people in other parts of the world who did observe it and they're starting, but Israel didn't because it was an overcast night. And who knows if that's man-made pollution or, or whatever it might be that it throws into whack all of these, all of the, the calendars and the starts of the year. This perfect precise counting calendar allows us to just rest assured in who our creator is and much like the, the biblical cosmology that we rest in his hands. It is perfect and it is, it is precise. You know, you guys mind real quick. I'm going to, um, I'm going to share something from Jubilees real quick. Cause what I hear you saying is sure. what I've always seen Jubilees been saying, which is Jubilees two nine. God appointed the sun to be a great sign on the earth for days, for Sabbaths, yeah. for months, and for feasts, and for years, and for Sabbaths of years, and for jubilees, and for all seasons of the year. Yep. So to me, that's like this this runs kind of like a friction with those who would look specifically to the moon only for this kind of information. Would you say that's mm -hmm. an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. If you look, it's actually interesting because the first time the moon is mentioned in scripture is in um, Joseph's dream. 
the moon's not mentioned before that. And um, and if you actually look carefully, I'm I'm not gonna say one way or another um, because I don't know for sure. But in Genesis 1:16, if you look at the interlinear, they added into the most of the English text. He made the stars also. Um, and if you just read that passage, it says he he made you know two great lights: the greater light to, to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. The stars. It doesn't say he made the stars also, and in the in the Hebrew. And so it's pretty interesting. I, I don't. I'm not saying he's not referring to the moon when he says the lesser light, but um, but it's just interesting that it's not mentioned till Joseph's dream and and how that's that's written in English could be misleading potentially. So it's interesting, very interesting. Hmm. Okay. Something to consider. Yep. Yep. So yeah, if we want to jump to the next slide there, Zach. And um, so this is how the sun moves through the portals. And this is, um, I broke it down here into, um, I just got to get to it on my screen here. Um, Enoch 72, 41 through 42 tells us how uh, the year ends, but that also is how it begins. It tells us how to, to know when it's going to begin. So I started with that. So it says, um, at that period, the night is uh, contracted in its length. It becomes 10 parts and the day eight parts. Then the sun goes from that second gate and sets in the west, but returns to the east and rises in the east in the third gate, 31 days, setting in the west of heaven. At that period, the night becomes shortened. It is nine parts and the night is equal with the day. The year is precisely 364 days. So then we see... The next thing that would happen, which is at the beginning of Enoch, um, or towards the beginning of the chapter, when it tells you how the uh, the sun works in each of the months, it says, then the sun goes uh, from the fifth gate, as it sets in the fifth gate of the west, or I'm sorry, this is the autumn sign, I said it backwards. But anyways, then the sun goes from the fifth gate, as it sets in the fifth gate of the west, and rises in the fourth gate for 31 days, on account of its signs, setting in the west. At that period, the day is made equal with the night, and being equal with it, the night becomes nine parts, and the day nine parts. Then the sun goes forth from that gate as it sets in the west, and returning to the east proceeds by the third gate for 30 days, setting in the west and the third gate. So but uh, so that's the autumn sign, but I wanted to actually focus on the uh, spring sign, and somehow I messed that up. I meant to put uh, that passage a couple slides earlier where it tells you that the sun goes forth from the uh, the fourth gate after... The spring sign because that's what happens next is after you end the year which is what happens in enoch 72 41 and 42 then the sun goes forth from the fourth gate and you begin the year and uh so that's how and if you read enoch 72 i think zach mentioned this earlier it tells you each month there's going to be 30 days and then the last month of each quarter there's 31 so if you go read through that chapter uh enoch 72 it'll tell you every month of the year uh how many days are in that month and and exactly how the calendar works. And then if you you go to Enoch 73 and 74 and 75, it'll start telling you how the moon works, which is a part of the calendar. And it's, it's necessary for the calendar, but it, it's telling you, it, it tells you it's the lesser light and it tells you it's on a different pattern than the year. And so let's jump to the next slide here. So and I think that's where a lot of confusion lies is when people, yeah. again, similar to how we view the canon, we verse pluck Enoch 
and we say, well, see, look, he's describing the moon. He's saying the moon is used for months. Well, right. there's two different Hebrew words, which, you know, we're going to get into here uh, for Hodesh and Yariek. And they describe two different types of counting. So a Hodesh is the 30, 30, 31, and the Yariek is the, uh, the lunation, a, a, a cycle of the moon. When, what Micah just mentioned, when Enoch gets into uh, the cycles of the moon, the lunations, they are also ways of counting. They're way, you can count a, a lunation by how the moon is cycling and, and set that for a specific period of time. However, that is not a hodesh in how the, the month operates in this calendar. Um, so again, we're going to add, add some more detail to that and, and hopefully make that a little bit more understanding. But I think that's a, a key point to, to mention when people are a, a reading through Enoch, uh, that's one of the things that we often see thrown at us is, well, see here, he is describing the moon. There, there must have been some change from the 3031 uh, he was describing earlier. And now we see him describing the moon again. Well, this is two separate ways, again, of, of describing time. He's talking about the greater light and then the, the lesser light. They are both periods of time. One is heavily involved in the counter, the calendar. The other is is used as a sign, which we will get into uh, a little bit further along. Yep. But here's here's some of the questions that I think Zach had too. But these were the ones I wrote down were the biggest questions. Um, why is it that we have the Torah and the entire canonical scriptures, but if you really really dig, there really isn't a calendar in there? Why not? And and the answer was because they all read the book of, of Enoch, which had their calendar in it. And they all, they all knew that. In my opinion, that's the answer. So it didn't need to be in the Torah. It did, they, they all knew it already. Um, but uh, when I first well, started uh, I mean, reading- At the same time, yeah. let's just say, we, we actually try to address the, the usage of the word Torah from two different perspectives on my channel. Mm -hmm. One perspective is the, the Pharisaical perspective that's been right. inherited to Judaism. And the other perspective is this more modern adherence to Torah amongst uh, believers in Messiah, you know, Christians. Yeah. So that it, unfortunately that the definition gets conflated from Judaism and people think yeah. that the word Torah only applies to Genesis through Deuteronomy. But in the Hebrew, it yeah. just means instructions. That's all it literally means. In yeah. Hebrews 1, 1, it tells us that father gave us portions through many prophets in many ways. So Enoch is one of those prophets who gave us instructions. You see what I mean? So it's, it's, sometimes we kind of like jail. Yeah, we push ourselves into a corner just with the semantics of different words. And that unfortunately, I've seen that word Torah kind of abused. And people think it's only Genesis through Deuteronomy. And I'm like, guys, there's so much more in the scriptures. He spoke to his prophets, you know, like it's all our instruction. It's all good for us, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I'm sorry. 100% agree. Yeah, no, that was a good point because. Um, it's easy to just kind of rattle on and, and lose people that way. I completely agree with that. Um, so, but the the next thing, you know, I started reading Enoch for the first time years ago, and I actually was was really struggling with it because of the 364 day calendar. Because I was I was really, you know, believing in the the 350 day lunar calendar with the the intercalated month every three years or so. Um, and I just couldn't understand how this could be right. So it was a reason I was struggling with that book. Uh, same thing with Jubilees when I started reading it initially. But then it kept nagging at me because I would read and there were so many great things in those books. Uh, and so I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind for a while, but didn't know what to do with it. And um, and then, you know, 
Obviously, 354 days is divisible by 6, which is the number of man. 364 is divisible by 7. Uh, and that's a really, really interesting uh, point that stuck out to me. Um, I started finding lots of translation errors and, and issues in a lot of the different books I was reading, which caused me to really look into the meanings of words instead of just reading it at face value. Um, also removed books and what, what really is scripture, which you touched on there, Sean, what really is scripture? What really is Torah? That moon or new month. Zach started touching on it there. Hodash versus Yariak. And then uh, Mike, we're starting to lose you a little bit. I don't know if it's just on on my end, but we're starting to lose you. I don't know if it's uh, the the internet signal, um, but there is a little bit a little bit of lag on my end. Um, so the the one thing that I'll just can continue with on on this slide is just the fact that the uh, the three hundred and fifty four versus the three sixty four, which Micah which Micah mentioned there, was one of the big calendar questions. Um, if you believe the Book of Jubilees is inspired, and Sean, I believe that most of the people who are following your channel will tend to agree with that, it's impossible to follow the moon for months. And I challenge people with that because to me, that's one of one of the things. It's it's very very very, I'm going to say it, impossible to to say that the Book of Jubilees is inspired and is for our instruction and to follow the moon for months. Why is that? Jubilee 6, which we're going to dive into, uh, basically tells us that the, the the 10 days that we will fall short if we follow the moon is what's described here uh, that Micah put up here on, on the slide. If you take 29 and a half days, which is the cycle of the moon, and, and we, we multiply that out by the, by the 12 months, we get 354 days. This is exactly 10 days short of what we believe to be the true calendar, 364 day year, which is exactly what Jubilees 6 describes to us, falling 10 days short. And again, as Micah mentioned it, um, it could just be numbers, it could just be you know something that, that is happenstance, but 354 is divisible by six, the number of man, 364 is divisible by seven, which is that perfect counting that one of the very first instructions were given to count seven, um, and it's the number of Yah, and we, we can see that uh, really, really play out in, a, in a, an amazing way. But these were some of the main questions that really started to cause our interest in in studying this calendar uh, a, a lot deeper. Hey, Zach, real quick, uh, before we go too much further from what you just said, um, I'm for everyone watching. I'm going to be putting this into the chat. This is a this is a podcast I did several months ago, and what you just mentioned about um, about following the moon for you know, these concepts is utterly contradictory to books like Jubilees. And I actually did a breakdown um, on this. I just put this video in the chat. It's a Jewish professor debunks Judaism. And it's this is Rachel Eliar, who studies the Dead Sea Scrolls. She's literally the emeritus professor right now at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem, uh, raised in Israel, you know, in Judaism. And she's still, after studying the Dead Sea Scrolls, because that's kind of a part of her collegiate career, came to the conclusion that there was something wrong with the history of why rabbinical Judaism tries to ignore the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, Jubilees, and First Enoch, because obviously a lot of those were found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And her conclusion 
was two very unique things. And, and this was fascinating to me to hear someone talk about this this way, someone with her pedigree talking about this in this way, to say, why do we not use the word covenant in rabbinical writings? Why do we not talk about the calendars and the Zadok priests mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls, specifically with Jubilees and Enoch? Why are we not? And she's like speaking in this lecture to a whole bunch of people that are following rabbinic Judaism right now, right? And so she's kind of like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this video before from her, but it's pretty amazing uh, to hear her perspective. If anyone in the audience hasn't seen yep. this, um, you know, guys, you might look at us and say, well, who are these dudes from the U.S. talking about this, trying to trying to play catch up to what Judaism has already known, all this stuff. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. People that claim to be, you know, quote unquote experts in uh, Hebrew literature, specifically the religious texts of what we would consider scriptures, even they are not being taught some of this stuff. And there's got to should throw up some kind of red flag to us to say, if this is such prevalent information that was a part of their history, a part of their culture's literature, and was even preserved along with all the other books in the Bible, why specifically these books are they trying to ignore and not talk about? Well, her conclusion was that, you know, it's because they wanted to, specifically wanted to change calendars in the first century AD, and they wanted to keep people away from understanding the priestly process because it just helped prove Yeshua was the high priest of the Melchizedek order all that much easier. So, it was a very, you know, th that's not her conclusion. I want to be very clear here. That's not her conclusion. That's that's me explaining why she's so confused. <laughs> because all this stuff points not just to uh, the, the actual history of what ancient Israel kept, but also to all of that history points to Yeshua. So I'll get off the soapbox and let you guys finish. No, yeah. Rachel Elior is a, a fantastic resource, I think, for understanding the importance of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, her work was vital to my understanding uh, of legitimizing these scrolls because so many people want to downplay them. So many people want to throw these words like a scene at these documents. Um, if, if you are one who's heard that, the word a scene linked to it, I would highly suggest day two of the Waywalk presentation we mentioned earlier. Again, I will send those links to Sean so he can add them to uh, the comments or the chats later on. Um, but day two is basically us breaking down uh, why these are Zadok priests and, and not Essenes and how they can't be Essenes uh, mm -hmm. by their the Essenes' own definition of, of who they are and how that does not line up with what the writers of the scroll is, are attributing to themselves. Um, and, and so it's I think that's a, a really key point in, in understanding, you know, kind of how all that lays out and, and what that all means. But Rachel Elior is a, a great, uh, great um, resource for understanding the legitimacy of, of the scrolls. Hey, welcome back. Hey, welcome back hey guys. Okay. Yeah. My, my internet's definitely struggling. Sorry about that. We got people in the chat that's praying for it. Okay. Appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, uh, Wi-Fi. Unfortunately, I don't have a hard hard line here, so it is what it is. But um, the yeah, one other I thing I'll mention real quick, Micah, just before we kind of dive back into this, while we're on this, you know, small tangent of of Rachel Elior, the scrolls, um, and the illegitimate priests. Um, this is you know a, definitely a a segment for another uh, a future conversation. Um, but if you dig into just the the history of what was taking place around the time of Antiochus. And we see kind of the, the decimation of the priesthood and, and how this 
uh, illegitimate priesthood was was placed in. I mean, the writings of the scrolls talk all about the uh, the, the battle of light versus dark, and, and these the the sons of light in this battle for uh, you know this prominent position of who the priests are. It's ironic that they use these terms, sons of light and sons of darkness. Uh, to describe not only you know their their purity in serving the the one true God, but also their position of the calendar. Right, the sons of light are observing the great light as their main source for understanding the calendar, while the sons of darkness are hiding in the dark using the moon, which comes straight out of Babylon. Uh, to determine their month. So again, just a, a, a little teaser to uh, Rachel Elior and, and what she talks about in a lot of her stuff and just to uh, implore you to, to continue on this topic of studying to understand who these priests are and who the writers of, of the scrolls are in this battle of, of light versus darkness. And uh, not by coincidence, Zach, but even Paul talks like this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 and 5, talking about, brethren, you're not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief, but you are children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Now, I believe that applies exactly to what you're saying, but also spiritually to keeping the Torah as part of the discipleship, as well as the promise of the covenant, which is resurrected into this place where we have uh, Revelation 22.5, we have this body that is illumined with light, and we won't actually need the sun or the moon or the stars anymore uh, inside the New Jerusalem. But it's it's a very unique that they take this metaphor and apply it in all these different fun ways, like in, you know, Proverbs 6, the Torah is the light, you know, that kind of concept. And this is at the same time in Torah. And a lot of people don't like me saying that because I'm about to say the word Jubilees after this. But in the instructions passed down through prophets. And if we believe the book of Jubilees, it's literally was instructions given to Moses on Mount Sinai. So he's a prophet that gives us instructions and he tries to tell us that the sun was a huge component piece in understanding this calendar concept. And I think that would be very fitting to call children of the covenant, be children of the light. And so. first Thessalonians is perfectly fitting to this, Sean, because he's talking about the Moedim. He's talking about the feast in the context of that. And many That's people right. miss that because he's saying, you don't have to, I don't have to teach you about these days because you already know them. I've, you, you've already understood them. You've already been brought up in this way. You're going to be ready for his return. You're going to be that bride with the oil, with the lamp lit waiting for his return and that's why this calendar is so important that's why understanding his ways are so important uh, and the calendar is just a, a piece of that but that's exactly what paul is talking about there being in the light you know me metaphorically obviously for for the way that we're walking the torah is the light proverbs 6 23 tells us that the, the torah is light yeshua calls himself the light and we know that the calendar is a light for us to walk in the, the days that he wants us to observe so again it's it's just perfectly fitting and and the scriptures are so cyclical it's amazing to to see how this pattern continues to play out and I always like to remind the audience that what we're doing right now, guys, every time we, we discuss scripture, specifically scripture that lends into us going back to doing, you know, like Jim Staley always talked about doing biblical things in biblical ways. And this this concept is literally Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse one and two, that we're from everywhere we've been scattered. We're calling to mind his commands. This is literally prophesied over Israel before we're regathered. Um, and that's a beautiful place to be in, in my opinion, because we're literally in that place. Like what other time in your life could you actively look at the scriptures and be like, wow, I'm literally in this moment right now. And especially in the United States, it's not like we live in, you know, anywhere in Israel right now, but we're literally in the United States amongst quote unquote Gentile nation, watching all these people wake up to the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel and of the father's commands. 
you know, and it's like, to me, it's so encouraging. And hopefully any people in the audience understand this is why we have brothers like Mike and Zach dedicated to looking at this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I really appreciate you guys coming on to share with us. So I'll, I'll let us keep going. So I don't know how good you guys can hear me now. Can you hear me? Okay. Much better. Okay. Yeah. I just reset my internet connection. So, um, Zach, if you want to go to the next slide, we're going to have to move quickly through some of these to, to avoid going over two hours, I think. But so, um, you know, this was a question, you know, there's no solid calendar in the canon that we're, we're taught is the inspired word of Yah. Um, how many days are in a month? It doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us how to determine the beginning of the year. It doesn't tell us how long the year is. Uh, and there's many more questions that we're left with just with canon only. Um, so where are the answers? So Enoch uh, and Jubilees over and over and over tell us, as you can see in these verses here on screen, that there's 364 days in a year. It says it countless times throughout those two books. And the Dead Sea Scrolls also tell us over and over and over there's 364 days only. So if you want to jump ahead, Zach. So here's one that's interesting. It tells us that in the flood account in the Dead Sea Scrolls that there's 364 days in a full year. And that that is, they, they reference Genesis 18 here, um, which kind of omits that in the in the masoretic text at least uh it's not there so i don't know if this is just a commentary well it is a commentary it says but that's that's opinion i'm not sure what it is exactly but they're telling us there's a full year a full year is 364 days in the dead sea scrolls go ahead and jump to the next one so this is an amazing scroll right here um it's an account of david's poems and I'm just going to read this section because it's really beautiful. It says, David, son of Jesse, was wise and brilliant like the light of the sun. He was a scribe, intelligent and perfect in all his ways before Elohim and men. Elohim gave him an intelligent and brilliant spirit, and he wrote 3,600 psalms, 364 psalms to sing before the altar for the daily perpetual sacrifice. So we see 364 for each day of the year uh, and 52 songs for the Sabbath offerings. And 30 songs for the new month and feast and feast days and for the day of atonement. And all the songs he uttered were 446 and four songs to make music on behalf of those stricken by evil spirits. In all, there were 4,050. Uh, so, you know, we've got just a few of, according to this scroll, only a very few of David's psalms that we actually have today, because most of them in the Dead Sea Scrolls are very fragmented. But the main point is, he had 364 songs, one for each day of the year. So if you want to go to the next one. So this was another question. There's lots of 12s. Where are the 13s? So there's, there's just no 13s in scripture, really. There's, there's not many to be found at all. Um, but there's lots of 12s, and they have to do with so many important things. Uh, so go ahead and jump to the next one. So this is, I just went and looked at all the times each month is mentioned in scripture in the canon. And, you know, you can see one through 12 are all mentioned at least a few times, but there's not a single mention of a 13th month. And that was pretty telling. 
Yeah, this was huge so, for me. When I when I saw this for the first time, I mean, wow, what what an eye-opening uh, statistic this is. And for me, like I mentioned early on, the, the ADAR bet, the 13th month was something I struggled with really, really, uh, really bad because, you know, you, you're following these different leaders, you know, and again, everybody's on a different calendar and that's, that's understanding, you know, we're all trying to follow these ways, but you know, you get to a, you get to a year when people are celebrating now these feasts by a, a month off, sometimes, you know, greater because of this added 13th month. And you start to question, well, it's got to be simpler than that, right? Where in scripture is this 13th month even mentioned? And when you start to dive through it, you, you don't even see uh, any recon reconciliation of it at all. And this, I mean, to me, this was mind blowing when, when, when Micah threw this up for the first time, uh, just highlighting how many times each month is mentioned. So let's go through real quick uh, the Hodash versus Yariak um, slides here. So Hodash. It means new month or month. It's used 276 times. In every case, and we'll go over a few to give you an example, the context always points to the beginning of a month or a month in length, but never to the moon. In, and then there's the word yariak, used 26 times. The context always describes the celestial body in the sky in every case. And that's pretty telling when you look at how words are used in scripture. So let's go ahead and go to the next slide. And so Hodash examples, you can see here in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, it's Hodash, 82, 8, or 2320 is the Strong's word for that. And then uh, this month in Exodus 12, uh, and then Leviticus 23, the first month, it's all Hodash. So it's all referring to a month. There's no mention of a moon here. So let's go to the next one. These are Yeriak examples. It's talking about how they're worshiping the sun and the moon in the sky. Uh, Psalms says as long as the moon throughout all the generations and the sun is mentioned. So we know it's the moon in the sky and the same thing, sun and the moon in Joel uh, 2. So in every case, that's how the context looks. When you when you look at these words in scripture, it's it's for Hodash, it's always referring to a month. For Yariak, it's always referring to the moon. So we're going to jump to the next slide. Yeah, and, and for me, the, the, the idea of moon and month, this is probably one of the hardest for people to jump over that hurdle. This is the one where the cognitive dissonance really uh, kicks in because we've been hammered so much with the idea of the, the moon determines the month, the moon determines the month. But I want to challenge everybody to try, try to read scriptures with a fresh set of eyes, you know, take away the, the preconceived notions of you know, what we've been taught with the moon and, and read the context of the verses for what it is at face value without adding in our tradition or understanding of how the of how the moon cycle works and see if we come to those same conclusions. So many of us had those same blinders on when we came into Torah and understanding that his instructions are valuable and important for us today. I challenge us to do the same thing with the calendar, you know, uh, take off these blinders of, of the, you know, traditions in, in the worldviews that we've been taught and, and read the text as, as Mike is highlighting here for what it's actually saying at face value and not reading the traditions in of it. This is often a time where I segue to, you know, uh, even the, um, understanding definitions of the word. So people always want to go to a concordance. A concordance is great for, for understanding this, 
however, a concordance will tell you a biblical definition of the word and not necessarily the true Hebrew understanding of the word, meaning a concordance will say Hodesh is the moon because that's how it's traditionally used in the understanding of the Bible. So again, concordances are great resources, but they're not necessarily telling us true uh, Hebrew, yet they're telling us how that Hebrew is used biblically throughout the the, the context of, of the Bible, not necessarily the actual linguistics of, of that word. I hope that made sense. Exactly, exactly. And so if you if you jump to the next slide real quick, we're just gonna quick blow through these ones. Hodesh is used 276 times, 254 times it's used as month, and 20 times it's used as new moon. Those 20 times are all around the feast days. So whoever decided to make these translations inserted it around the feast days for those who would be trying to determine when to keep the feast and called it new moon. And that is where tradition has come in and told us, in my opinion, uh, that we should use the new moon to keep the feasts. When in reality, it means month or new moon, not or new month, not uh, new moon. So uh, and the next one is Yeriak. Uh, it's used 26 times and it's moon in every case. And like I said earlier, the first time is in Joseph's dream. It's not even mentioned before that at all. Not even used one time in scripture or in canon. And again, it's so, often at this point where people will say, well, you know, the, the Hebrew could have a word for uh, Yariak, meaning the celestial moon, and then Hodesh, meaning the moon as a month. Well, you know, yes and no, because the Hebrew does have a word for a moon month, and that is uh, Yerak, which is a lunation, as I talked about with the, the Enoch reference. So it actually does have a, the Hebrew does have a word, uh, you know, derived from Yariak, the moon, to describe a moon month, a Yerak, and it actually is used in scripture. So when the mother of Moses puts him in a basket, uh, and, and, you know, or actually hides him before he, she puts him in the basket. It says she hides him for three months. If you look at that Hebrew word, it's Yarak, which is three lunations. Again, remember where they were. They're in Egypt. She doesn't have a reckoning of the calendar yet. She is following the, uh, the ways of the land. It is three lunations that she hides him for three periods of time cycling the moon. Segway to Exodus 12. He says, this is to be your month. Hodesh. I just think that's a cool uh, point to highlight there that there is two words uh, in the Hebrew, one for a lunation, a, a lunar cycle, and one for Hodesh month, just as Enoch describes. Yeah, we've also we, we've talked about this quite a bit on Kingdom in Context, the fact that, you know, that the entirety of the children of Israel since Jacob and, and all the family went down there, there's several generations that passed before the Exodus. So they kind of got some Egypt in them after the oppression yep. started. This is why they. Um, or in my opinion, this is why they were so there was such a large group of rebels once they did go through the Exodus that wanted to go back to Egypt constantly because they had too much Egypt in them at that time and had lost not just the calendar, but also uh, the way the fullness of the ways of Yahweh had to be retaught them. Um, but do you guys mind if I bring up a quick point? Because I know people are going to ask me this. Here Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to put this on screen. And um, it's going to be, there's two points in this little passage here. One of them is going to seemingly conflict with what you guys have been saying. The other one is going to validate what you guys have been saying. So this is why I want to bring this up. So this is kind of interesting. It's from Sirach 43. I'm sure you guys have never been asked about Sirach 43, have you? Um, yeah. I say that with all sarcasm. So this, this here is 
it wants to bring up the idea of it's going to, it's Sirach 43 talking about different parts of the sun and the moon. And it's in verse six, it starts to kind of go off and, and compliment the moon and the attributes therein. And it says, he made the moon also to serve in her season for a declaration of times and a sign of the world from the moon is the sign of feasts, a light that decreases in her perfection. So whether or not we want to think they, which, you know, we want to debate which word they used for moon in here, whether it's Kodash or Yariak, seems to be some of the context is talking about mm -hmm. the moon because it decreases in its light. Verse eight says the month is called after her name. So that would validate what you guys are saying. Increasingly wonderful and her changing being an instrument of the armies above. Not exactly sure what that means. Shining in the firmament of heaven. All right. It's Genesis one. That's okay. And then verse nine says the beauty of heaven, the glory of the stars an ornament giving light to the highest places of the Lord. So this makes me actually think about what you said earlier, Micah, with Genesis 1, 14 through 17, about it mentions the sun, and then in the actual original Hebrew, it just mentions the stars. Is it possible that the moon is actually a star? It's just the greatest of them all. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I personally believe there's a couple things, uh, thoughts that I have on this. One is, um, if we don't have the moon, we don't have the faithful witness that Psalms tells us that it is. And we'll go into it a little more detailed, I think, later in the in the slides here. But um, the moon helps to confirm the start of the year. Every every There's a three-year cycle. There is a three-year cycle of the okay. moon. Um, and it helps to confirm the start of the year by coming in right around the beginning of the year, every three years. And then in years... In, year, in second years, it'll be around the 20th day of the first month is when you'll see it. And in third years, you'll see it around the 10th day of the first month. Then with, it, with an addition, as Enoch describes it, an intercalation of the moon, it then lines up again in the first year okay. with the beginning of the month again, of the first month again. So I believe the moon is necessary for the seasons and the Moedim because we need another, we need that faithful witness, not just the sun only. We need that faithful witness continuing that constant cycle to help confirm the beginning of the year every three years okay, uh, and even the, the 20th and 10th days in the second and third years. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. So that means that if the new moon celebrations are at the beginning of the first, fourth, seventh and 10th month, you need the moon and the sun to determine when that reset happens to know the first day of the mm -hmm. first month, which yes. is a feast day. Yes. Is that, would that be correct logic with what you guys are saying? Yeah, yep. Sean, um, if I, I'm sharing Psalm uh, 104, 19 real quick, and, and this is to back up Micah's point. Uh, it says that he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. And so people will always say here, well, see, he appointed the moon for seasons, right? Well, you have to read the second part of this as well. The sun knoweth his going down. The, the, the equinox at the beginning of the year, the sun and the moon set together in the same gate. This is the second witness for understanding the equinox. And this is the, the second witness for the start of the year that both the, the, the celestial bodies will set together signaling the start of the year. So yes, uh, to, the, the, to the comment of Sirach, it is a sign of the seasons because if we don't start the year properly, as Jubilees tells us in Jubilees 6, we are going to make a holy day, an abominable day, and a, an abominable day, a holy day. You know, we're, we're going to yeah. mix these days up if we're not starting the year property, properly. So, yes, the, the sun has to know the going, the, the moon has to know the going down of the sun and vice versa because they have to set together in order to start this year off right. So, I, I don't think Sirach contradicts. 
what this calendar is saying because the the moon is vital. Uh, it is a witness. It is a sign to understanding these feasts. Well, this yeah, is and then Enoch, go ahead, go ahead, John. Say, Zach, this is an awesome point that you're that you're adding to this because you know one of the things that we try to help people um, remember when we're doing breakdowns of scripture is to look for, you know, the, the usage. Uh, first of all, we asked, do we tell them the biggest, easiest way to find context is look up the definition of the word. But like you mentioned earlier, Zach, sometimes our modern day concordances, you know, they'll have multiple definitions for the same word. So like, you know, as you're talking, I went and looked this one up and I can see the word seasons. There is the word Hamodim in the Hebrew, but yet the concordance says it can be used for both appointed times and for actual seasons of the year. Right. So then how do we know which one to, that it should be there. Right. And like you're saying, unless we had the scriptures of Enoch, we would not know the correlation of the sun and the moon having to know each other's setting to restart this calendar cyclical cycle in the, in the air. Is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And Micah was just about to, to reference the fact that Enoch tells us this, that they will yeah. set together in tandem. Psalms is backing up what Enoch is saying. Uh, and again, it's, it's a, a wonderful witness to, to begin to observe as well as you were watching uh, the, the sun and the moon set in these gates. Awesome, guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It. If you go, Zach, if you uh, just remember which slide you're on, but go to slide 37 real quick. Um, I don't know if you can grab that real quick here. Yep. But it says, so in that slide I put there, Psalm 89, 37, it shall be established forever like the moon and the witness in the sky is faithful. Um, I think it might be the next one. I might have given you the wrong. Yeah, there we go. And then Psalm 104, 19, he made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. And then Enoch 74 describes exactly what it's saying. On stated months, it changes settings. And on stated months, it makes its progress on each. And two, the moon sets with the sun in those two gates, which are in the midst, in the third and fourth gate. Uh, so, and I've watched this. Those are the only two portals or gates described in Enoch that the moon and the sun follow the same path through the sky. The moon never follows the sun through any of the other portals, only those two. Because um, the moon sets too. The sun sets, but the moon also sets. If you watch the moon from the time it rises and then you go out and watch it like early, early in the morning before most of us wake up, it sets. And it'll set in the same spot the sun did um, in those two gates in the midst of heaven. So it's a pretty amazing phenomenon. Well, guys, thank you for uh, letting me detour a little bit. I know that you're trying to get through several slides, but this the reason I did that is because as I was asking this question, we got this comment in the chat and Gigi Miranda, I understand what you're saying. This is why I'm trying to ask some of these questions to make sure the audience is following. She's saying, I will say this video is not for a person who's not seasoned in the word. Sean, will you provide an understanding of this to those who are in an early walk? Well, guys, unfortunately right now we're getting a fire hose of information. Okay. Yeah. So what we're going to try to do in the future is I'm going to process all this stuff. And I want to like, create some graphics. Now, nothing wrong with the graphics provided with that Mike is showing us, but I want to, if, if uh, my, my finances allow, I actually want to create, you know, more like 3d animated graphics to show this type of stuff. And as you would see the sun and the moon going through different gates and things, I would have the scriptures pop up at those appointed, those appropriate times. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, unless you haven't studied Enoch, unless you haven't spent the time like Micah has, or like Zach has in some of these texts specifically in considering this topic, Without visual presentations, it can be challenging. So, guys, uh, thanks for thanks for you know everyone in the audience. Thanks for being willing to to listen to the best of our abilities. We will have a Q and A here shortly, so uh, stick with us, guys.
Yeah. And, and Gigi, I will say that um, I was exactly in that seat. And there's oftentimes when I'm talking to Micah that I'm still in that seat and Micah has to explain to me three or four times what he's, what he's trying to say. Uh, so don't feel overwhelmed. Uh, the thing that I do uh, daily, weekly is just pray for the spirit to guide me and, and to fill me with understanding because I don't want to have my own understanding. I want to have his spirit filled understanding so that he will guide us and lead us uh, to know what he wants us to see. Um, so again, this is years of, of, of research and, and uh, understanding kind of shot out, as Sean said, a fire hose. Uh, at one point, we had over 300 slides that we tried to condense into an hour-long presentation. Um, so when different topics come up, it can bounce around like a pinball machine quite a bit. Uh, so I, I appreciate you guys kind of helping keep us on on the, the, the straight and narrow with different questions um, that, you know, help us to, to dive into to deeper study. But please don't get discouraged because this this is something that needs, as we talked about in the beginning, Proverbs 25. It's the glory of Yah to conceal a matter, but it's the duty of, of kings to search that matter out. It takes searching. It takes time. It takes understanding. Uh, but when it clicks, man, you just really start to see uh, how perfect and precise and how it, it truly is simple. It sounds detailed. It sounds complex because again, to, to, to track back and to show people why years and years of, of, of tradition is undone, you have to dig deep and really uncover why the tradition started, where the tradition goes awry and how the tradition seeps into every facet of our understanding. To do that, it, it takes a lot of detail and detail and detail to, to, unwind what we've been taught. But when you get to the calendar as, as a core, it truly is simple. And, and trust me, I keep saying it, and I know it's I'm, I'm saying it jokingly, but I'm pretty simple when it comes to this understanding. Mike has to explain things to me uh, in depth quite a bit uh, for me to, to get it to click. So if I can understand, I promise that anybody out there can understand it. Uh, it, it is simple in its, in its core. We're just trying to give a lot of the, the detailed background uh, to explain to people who may be, you know, really stuck in in, in digging their heels in, saying, "I'm not going to give up this tradition of the moon," of of why it's it's laid out the way it is. And, and just another, this is another quick conversational piece, guys. Uh, Gigi, the same same concept, sister, that applies here is that, you know, if you were to say a calendar that is dependent upon the sun has too much uh, correlation with papacy, and therefore it might give you pause, I would say. Literally, the Greeks worshiped the moon and forced the Israelites to adopt moon worship through a different calendar. So yep. you're you're in trouble either way if you take that view. Instead, I would encourage you, sister, and anyone watching, take the view that this is the father's luminaries that he created. And he told us a way to look at those tools that he created for us to use in order to draw closer to him. And it's not about worshiping false idols. And again, Agreed. that's why, I mean, if you look at the sun, it's 365.25 days. In, 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 a, in a year. If you look at the stars, it's about 360 days. If you look at the moon, it's about 354 days. They're all close to 364 days, but none of them are exact. Why is that? Well, Gigi, it's so that we won't worship those items. It's so we won't you know, look directly to them and just follow them alone. They're all pieces of the puzzle, but we have to trust him and his understanding to show us how these pieces work together to get us close and show us the, the true counting pattern of his. They're just signs. They're witnesses to his precise calendar. 
the, the sun is not the exact calendar. The moon is not the exact calendar. The stars are not the exact calendar. They're all pieces They're all that show us witnesses of that calendar. So basically, I want, have you guys looked at the stars at all, the Maserat and its changing of the seasons to line up with this kind of stuff? We have, we have some. <clears throat> um, the problem with the, the stars is that, well, there's a, there's a number of issues with the stars. Um, some of them are missing. For one, there's so many of them that trying to, trying to figure out what all, how they play into the picture when there's so many. Just yeah. learning the sun and moon has taken us, what, four years? Just learning the sun and moon and really understanding how they work um, and the stars. There's so many of them, so it, it's a this is a life lifelong commitment, I believe, to really seeking out his his calendar and the truth in it. Um, it's been lost for so long, and you mentioned this earlier, Sean. Jubilees tells, uh, well, Yah told Noah that if his sons did not keep the, the calendar 364 days only, they would lose track of it. So for anybody who says Oh, it's going to be easy. You should be able to fall asleep or, you know, wake up in a, from a coma on a deserted island and be able to look up and see the calendar. No, Jubilees tells us it's not easy. If you don't keep it and know what you're doing, you'll lose track of it. So this is so something that would that be what would that be actually uh, this leans into my question. If I did fall asleep and woke up um, on a deserted island by myself and just had a telescope in a high dead and I, basically I would need like a. Uh, the perfect camera that could take these types of star trails of the sun and set it at the same place in the sky throughout 365 days in a year in order to get what we see in this picture behind me. So I could even figure out which is the fourth gate that the sun was going through at that place in the sky where I am at that point on the plane of the earth. So not everybody has the chance to do that unless I'm misunderstanding. Sure. Obviously we know the general season, but as far as I guess what's is going to lead and you may be, and I may be kind of preemptively getting here before you got to that point in the slide, but my question I'm going to have now and for later is at what point do we know whether we're in a reset year or whether we're in uh, the years between the reset? Really? Right. Like, so if right. I set a camera out to try to create this picture behind me from my house in the, in the Colorado, in the Rockies, you know, how am I going to know which years are reset and as a point of which gate is going through? Yeah. Yeah. We will go over some things with regard to that. I've got some moon patterns that I found that play into that whole uh, scenario as well as some things about um, tracking the sun. So we're definitely going to hit that. But let's try to get back. Zach, if you go back to, I think it's slide 27, uh, or it's uh, the Jubilee 636 slide. Yep. So just want to hit this one real quick. This is what Zach mentioned earlier. It said, there will be those who will assuredly make observations of the moon, how it disturbs the seasons and comes in from year to year, 10 days too soon. For this reason, the years will come upon them when they will disturb the order and make an abominable day the day of testimony and an unclean day a feast day. And they will confound all the days, the holy with the unclean and the unclean deep, uh, clean day with the holy. For they will go wrong as to the months and Sabbaths and feasts and jubilees. And then if you jump to the next one, this is kind of where uh, I just want to really quick hit on this. This is kind of where we, we uh, got on the topic that brought us to where we are here today talking about the new moons uh, and uh, that, that Noah set as feasts of remembrance, days of remembrance forever. Um, so let's just go ahead and read it really quick. And then I want to quickly dissect this, uh, this concept. So Jubilee 6, 23 to 29, it says on the new moon of the first month and on the new moon of the fourth month and on the new moon of the seventh month and on the new moon of the 10th month are the days of remembrance and the days of the seasons and the four divisions of the year. 
Noah ordained them for himself as feasts for the generations forever, so that they uh, have become thereby a memorial unto him. On the new moon of the first month, he was bidden to make for himself an ark. Uh, and on that day, the earth became dry, and he opened the ark and saw the earth. And on the new moon of the fourth month, the mouths of the depths of the abyss beneath were closed. And on the new moon of the seventh month, all the mouths of the abysses of the earth were opened, and the waters began to descend into them. And on the new moon of the tenth month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So we see this, and it's translated here in the book of Enoch, and in most cases as, or sorry, Jubilees, as new moon. But let's take a look in the context. If we go to the next um, slide, in Genesis, in, or sorry, in Numbers, it says, In the day of your gladness and in the day of your appointed feasts and on the day, first days of your months, Chodesh, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. So we're, we're, we're seeing it's Chodesh is the first day of the month, according to Numbers 10. And then next slide. Now we're going to look at the, the actual days that it's talking about in Jubilee 6, where Noah observed those things. Uh, in Genesis 8.13, it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, Chodesh, on the first of the month. Again, Chodesh, the water was dried up from the earth. So that's one of the, uh, the days of remembrance that Noah was celebrating. Then the next slide, we have, uh, it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, Hodesh on the first day of the month. Oh, I already, I don't know how I got that in there twice. Sorry about that, guys. Genesis 8, 5, though, the water decreased steadily until the 10th month, Hodesh. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. So this is another one. It only gives us a couple in, um, in the Tanakh uh, of those four days, but it tells us that it's the first day of a month when it happened, not a new moon uh, in, in Genesis. So. If you jump to the next slide, Zach, I believe that Jubilee 6 should or is, is using the word Chodesh, and it should read on the first day of the first month and on the first day of the fourth month, on the first day of the seventh and tenth months are the days of remembrance, based on what we see there. And uh, jump to the next one. This is the reason why, because in, in the next verses, it says each of these days had 13 weeks from one to another past their memorial, from the first to the second, and from the second to the third, and from the third to the fourth. Two and fifty weeks of days. Okay, well, there's only, if you use moons, there's only 354 days in a year. So you're not going to get the same length uh, between those, those, those quarters. Okay, and you certainly aren't going to get 13 seven-day weeks in there. What you end up with is... The lunar uh, month is 29 and a half days times three months. You get 88.5 days. Uh, the the uh, 13 weeks, if you calculate them by seven-day weeks, as it says to in Jubilees, you're going to get 91 days, which is exactly perfectly seven, you know, seven or 13 seven-day weeks. So the the new moons described in Jubilee six, in my opinion, based on all this information, have to be the new months and it's it's improperly calculated so if we if we go to the next slide in Real Enoch quick, 70 quick, yeah yeah, quick, yeah. Quick, just so the just audience so the, is not confused. not confused yep when you mean the new moon uh, i think your speaker is giving a little feedback brother okay i'll turn uh, it down uh, when you mean the, the new moon, moon um i understand 
what you're saying with the the changing of the uh, what you're suggesting is an improper translation of Enoch of Jubilee chapter six when it mentions the four new moon celebrations that Noah was instructed to do, right? Yeah. Not, not not every month, but just the four. Just the four. Okay. Yep. I just want to make sure the audience is fallen. Okay. Yeah, yep. I just wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to to backtrack a little bit just because I I think Jubilee six is a, a point of contention a lot of times and a point of confusion because you you get to the you you get the the new moons in the beginning but then you get to the end where it says don't follow the moons and it's like well why are you right. telling me you know the the new moon of this month the new moon of this month and then you're saying if you follow the moons you get off track it adds a ton of confusion. So even if you even if you throw in um, a, a Hebrew translation of Jubilees, it'll say head of the month. It'll use head of the month Hodesh uh, in a Hebrew translation of, of Jubilees. I understand we don't have the you know original copies of it, but it is interesting to point out that they even use head of the month in their translations. So a better yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they they found a ton of Jubilees texts, and they yeah. want, and some of the little scrabbles even in Paleo Hebrew, but it wasn't the chapter six. So, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I I always just think it's it's a point of of confusion because yeah. it much better would read the head of the month in the the fourth month, the head of the month in the seventh month, the head of the month in the tenth month. Because the the new moons again adds to confusion. It's an improper substitution of that uh, hodesh, and you know, substituting that for new moon, just making that assumption that a moon is starting a month with our translators. Where you get a couple of verses later, and it flat out tells you not to follow the the, the moon for month. It's going to lead you astray. So Jubilee six is confusing when new moon is used. Uh, when we when we were doing the uh, the Jubilees reading in our, in our scripture reading as a, as a fellowship at my house ministries, you know, we took the liberty of, of translating that as uh, head of the month, because it makes a lot more sense when you, when you read it that way. In Absolutely. fact, as, as we guys were talking about this a couple of months back, um, I, I was looking into it again because my understanding when, when I looked at this was I, I assumed Jubilee six was not mistranslated. So therefore I was trying to go with that, that foundation and then add Enoch to it to where Enoch tries to give you the phases of the moon to tell mm -hmm. you that, well, you know, that once the light begins to shine upon the moon again, that's the new moon. And that that's what it defines as the new moon in reference to the yep. phases. But this is not the idea of the word being used in Rosh, Rosh Kadesh as right. far as the head of the month, which often gets mistranslated as a new moon or, you know, so I understand what you guys are saying, and I hope the audience does too. Because guys, I'll be honest with you, I've actually, I've actually done a video. I've, I've done two videos, I think, in the past a year and a half or two years ago, uh, trying to help people understand. To my understanding, that the new moon was something that you would the, four, the first, fourth, seventh, and tenth month, just like Jubilee Six says. But how do we find it? Well, I would go to Enoch and say I look at the phase of the moon in order to find when that new moon was. But then after you got after we were talking about some of this behind the scenes, I actually went and I looked at um, numbers, the book of numbers. And it right. actually has a unique spot in numbers 29 that yep. I had never saw before until I considered. All right. Well, there's other places in scripture that I've that I've considered there. I need to look deeper at the translation. But since I don't have that type of scholarship with Jubilees, I can't always do that. Right. So this didn't pop out to me until you we guys started talking which was, it says in the seventh month, that would be what we just read about in Jubilee six. That's, that's the third of the four new moons every year. 
on the first day of the month, you'll have a holy convocation. You shall do no serve our work. It's a day of blowing trumpets to you. Well, we understand. Okay, well, so this is a feast of trumpets. Okay, cool. But then also it says this is beside the burnt offering of the month. Uh -huh. So I thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Is this actually saying that we would have a, what Noah, you know, this, this day of trumpets would actually be on the same day as what Noah says is the third new month celebration of the year as well. So that means it's automatically a Sabbath as well as it's differentiating that is specifically not the burnt offering of the, of the head of the month. Yeah. So I thought it was very, very unique that it's trying to, I just never picked that up before. It's yeah. making a differentiation there. So again, either Jubilees is wrong and the month does determine, or the moon does determine the month, which right. many people will say numbers 29 is, is saying, or we believe that Jubilees is, correct right, right, which right. the three of us will will say we believe jubilees is correct and this is ha having to say that it is not the actual moon but it is the the first of the month is the right. head of the month which are the exact same things as these seasonal days so if you go back to the uh you know the 360 image um i'll buzz up back here real quick so just to make this make sense to everybody if this is my if this is my first quarter and so this is months one, two, and three. Boom. In the third month, we have that seasonal day. That is the 31st. That is the uh, the, the next day will be our, our new moon celebration, the head of the month uh, for the fourth month. Then we have four, five, and six. That's the 31st day. Then we have the start of the seventh month. That's the head of the month. That is the quote unquote new moon celebration, the head of the month celebration that Jubilee six is talking about. It's kicking each of these head of the months, the special months. We have the first, fourth, seventh, and 10th. They're all kicking off a season. The seventh one is the only one that's commanded to be a day that we uh, are commanded not to work. It's a high Sabbath. And that's because it's also the day of trumpets, which Sean just eloquently pointed out in, in Numbers 29. It's amazing how this all fits so perfectly together. And it's in it's in what we quote unquote call uh, our, our canon, our, our canonized Torah, when we look deeper. When we when we know what we're looking for, we can start to see it. And that's that's the whole point of, of trying to make videos like this and have discussions like this is to, to have us know what to look for uh, so we can we can see it. Again, it's the duty of kings to search that matter out. Yeah, this this point you bring up um, is something that people have asked me often whenever I mention new moon concepts, that one of the first questions that comes is, is it a Sabbath? Should we take the day off? And there's there's quite a few places in Nehemiah and other places where it seems to allude that it might be a Sabbath. But unfortunately, I I'm, I know obviously with the seventh month, clearly we just read it. Yeah. But with the first, the fourth and the tenth. Um, I've also been looking, tell me if you guys ever find it, but I've also been looking for any specific wording that says these memorial celebrations that Noah and that started keeping in Jubilee six are also considered days you don't work. Um, because it seems like there's also some things in Ezekiel 45 that mentions the new moons being kept in the kingdom, um, as well as uh, the way it's worded within Nehemiah chapter, I believe it's chapter nine. And then also I even tried to look up the writings of Josephus to see what he would say about it when he reviewed the book of Numbers and other places. And it's very vague in there as well. I can't really tell if he's yeah. not going to is a Sabbath celebration or not. So um, that's still one that I'm searching out as well as far as how we would commemorate the new moon. Is it on par with something like a weekly Sabbath or a feast day like Unleavened Bread? My understanding. So I found one uh, other than the seventh month. I found one place. Uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in the Temple Scroll, 
it says that the first day of the of the year is a Shabbat. Um, that's the only thing I've ever found to say to to say that one of those other days, uh, first days of the first, fourth, seventh, and tenth months would be a Shabbat. Um, so there's only one witness. Now our family observed the first day of the year as a Shabbat. As a result of that, I certainly wouldn't you know try to force anybody else to do that or say you know you're breaking Torah for not doing it. Um, but we found that, and and I found so much in the Dead Sea Scrolls that uh, has just been a blessing in this calendar research that we decided to go ahead and make that something we do. But um, I haven't found it for the other two, so nothing. And I've looked really hard. So, and it yeah, would be pretty cool if the the first and the seventh were the only two, and, and the fourth and the tenth were not, just because we see the the mirror images of each other that the, the right. first half of the year have, and then the second half of the year have. I mean, if you look at, uh, if you, if you look at how the, the, the Moed, the feasts are even laid out, I mean, you have the, yeah. uh, the, the days of the, of the month are so similar to what we see, uh, in the, in the first half. So like the, the, the 10th day, the lamb is selected the 14th day it's slain. The 15th day kicks off the, the high Sabbath. The, the first day in, of the seventh month is, is Yom Teruah, the, a day of rest. Then 10 days later, we have atonement. Uh, then the 15th day kicks off Sukkot. It's, it's amazing how these are mere images of each other. And again, they truly are on a on a uh, calendar like the 364-day counting calendar, the Zadok Priestly calendar, because they even will then line up on the same days of, of, of the week as, as well, which is amazing to see uh, how that even comes into play with those mere images of each other. Yep. So I would like to, if we can, jump back to 30, I think it's 34. Oh, sorry. We must, we lost, uh, hey, brother, sorry, you're, you're back. Um, okay, I lost yep. Two, you, you got kicked out, and then also Zach's feed got kicked out. Okay. Okay, back. okay thanks. Okay. Right. Zach, if you could jump back to 34, I think it was, or 30, yeah, there we are. So I just want to try to really go through some of these slides quickly. And forgive me to everybody that's watching, um, but I really think it's important that we present this information and then you can come back and study it. Go look for yourself and, and watch this, you know, over and over again if you need to, to try to, to really understand. But um, I really want to try to get this information out there to as many people as possible because I, th I think it's just so important. So Enoch 7413, talking about the difference between the lunar year and the calendar year. because it says in three years, the days are 1,092. In five years, they are 1,820. And in eight years, 2,912 days. So it just says the year, the years in Enoch 74, 13. But in 14 and 15, it says to the moon alone belong in three years, 1,062 days. In five years, it has 50 days less for an addition being made to the 62 days. In five years, there are 1,770 days. And the days of the moon in eight years are 2,832 days. For its days in eight years are less 80 days. So it's exactly 10 days per year, just like it said in, Ju in Jubilees uh, 6. Uh, so if you go to the next slide real quick, Zach. I, I laid it out here for us and did the math. 1,092 days divided by 364 is exactly three years. 1,820 days is five years. 29, 12 is 8. And then you can see the difference. 
it's all, like you said at the beginning, Sean, it's always been different between the sun and the moon. They've never been on the same courses from the days of Enoch. There's, there's 10 days less every single year and you can't get around that math. So the moon is never going to line up except for every three years with an additional month, lunar month or lunation added, it will then line up again, but it will never line up with the beginnings of months. Uh, if you follow Enoch's entire calendrical section in context, it will never work to start your months by the moon. And this is for people who will try to say, well, you know, maybe the flood caused some disturbance with something or, you know, when, when the, the sun, the, the sun was told to, to stand still, you have all of these objections sometimes. And it boils down to this. If you believe that Jubilees and Enoch are inspired and they are instructions for us to follow today, Enoch details very well that the sun and the moon, as Micah said, were never on the same path. So we don't have this excuse of, well, the, the moon and the sun used to sync up perfectly, but because of whatever reason, the flood or, and you know, enter in any type of argument you want. Now they're disturbed. That, that is not the case. You know, Jubilees tells us, you know, that, that if you follow the moon, you're going to be 10 days short. Enoch outlines from the get go that these are on two separate planes. And now this is all to say, that there is not a role for the moon. As we just saw in, in the Psalm 104, you know, a little while back, the, the, the sun and the moon work in tandem to, to start the year. And man, is there a awesome and intricate moon pattern uh, that you can find that, you know, the, the moon is precise. The moon, you know, has its own pattern. It's just not the pattern for months. And I think that's what's really important for, for us to all start to understand is that it is it does have its own pattern. It is just not the pattern for months. Yep. So if you want to, Zach, just skip uh, two slides, second one down, um, yep, to that one. So we already hit on this one, talking about how the, the sun knows the place of the moon setting. They set in the same place. So go, uh, jump to the next one. We already looked at this picture, talked about it behind Sean there. Keep going. Um, this is the gates. Yep. So here we go. So uh, the moon brings on all the years exactly that their stations may come neither to forwards nor to backwards a single day, but that the years may be changed with correct precision in 364 days. So the moon clearly plays a role here. And then the year truly becomes complete according to the station of the moon and the sun, which rise in the gates. Um, and then this is the one I, I read from earlier to show it from the east and cause it to shine in the middle of heaven in the foundation of creation from evening till morning. There's a full moon on the fourth day in the week of the sons of the mole. So uh, that's how every third year or every first year of the three year moon cycle, you'll see the moon coming in at the beginning of the year to mark and to help be a witness to the start of the year. So let's go ahead, Zach, and go to... Um, yeah, start looking at these really quick. I'm going to really go through these fast, but this is an amazing thing I found in the scrolls. Uh, I, I learned this through Jerry Morris, actually, through his channel. But in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a document, and the document is, uh, I believe it's 4Q321. Yep, 4Q321. And it tells you for four years, and I had to piece together three different versions of the Dead Sea Scrolls to get it because they not not all of them have the entire four years, but it tells you over four years what days there's a new moon and a full moon uh, for every month for four straight years. And it also tells you what priestly course was serving um, at those times. So 
this is the 2019 calendar that um, Zach put together for us. And you can see it says the, the first year of the full moon is on the fourth day of Gamul. And if you look, the full moon, I'm having a hard time reading this. I'm going to have to do it on my screen. Um, hang on. Okay. The full moon is on the fourth day of Gamul on the first day of the first month. Well, you see, I, what, I, what Zach did is he put the full and new moons on the actual days that they're listed on a website called timeanddate.com. Okay? And right there, there's a full moon on the fourth day of the week on the first day of the first month. Okay? And then it says, uh, on the fifth day of, of Yediyah, on the 30th day of the month is the second full moon. And we see it, it actually fell the day after. So it was a day off, but very close. And when you're sighting moons, it, you know, it's easy. Thousands of years later, it would be easy for it to be off by a day, potentially. Um, and it also can depend on, you know, Gregorian calendar. We start the day or start the day at midnight. So that could make a, a big difference, too. Um, and then the first crescent is on the sixth day of Maazia on the 17th day of the month. And we see right there is the crescent moon on the 17th day of the month. Uh, and so... I don't want to necessarily look at every single one, but I want to just make the point, if you just slowly scroll through these, Zach, that for for four straight years, actually, I'm sorry, from starting in 2013, when I, I pieced this all together, um, all the way through to 2019, all of the moons listed in the Dead Sea Scrolls, as far as what days of the, the month and week they would land on, Almost within a day, one way or the other, they were all exactly on the same dates on this calendar. Really, really amazing thing that I, I found. And um, so, so again, let's just, go ahead. And, yeah, just ahead. just to add to what Mike is saying, you know, th these days written in the scrolls are still observable two thousand years later. I mean, this is incredible to see how what they were observing the the moon falling on a specific date and day of the week, we can still observe. Now, again, if the moon and the sun and the, and the moon in this 364 day calendar are on different paths, this isn't going to line up year after year. And that's what they were also observing in this calendar document in the scrolls. Over a four year period, there's gonna be a new moon in the first month on a different day. We can observe this same phenomena still today. So what's amazing about that is if we are correct in this understanding of when a moon falls uh, on a day of the month, we can know what year we are in, in a seven year cycle based on this understanding. Now, how incredible is that to be able to say, okay, here's a, here's a, here's a full moon. Here's the day of the week. I know I'm in the fifth month of the year in my counting of, of seven years. It is awesome to be able to see how uh, these moon patterns are, are lining up. Yep. So if you want to jump to the next slide, I just want to recap what we just looked at. So I'm not, you know, you can look at every, every new and full moon for four straight years when they fell within each month. But this is just looking at the first, uh, first month of each of the four years. The first year of the full moon's on the fourth day of the moon on the first day of the first month. The second year of the, the first month on the second day in the week of Melchia, which is on the 20th day in the first month, the third year, uh, the first month, on the sixth day in the week of Hakot, which is on the 10th day in the first month, 
And then the fourth year, on the fourth day in the week of Shekinah, which is on the first day in the first month. So what we see is that that verse from Jubilee 6, uh, 36, that tells us that if, that if you follow the moon, you'll be 10 days off. That is playing out exactly in this scroll, showing us that one year, the first year, it's on the first. The second year, it's, it's on the 20th because it came in 10 days too soon the year before. The third year, it's on the 10th because it came in 20 days earlier that the year before. And then the fourth year, that there would be an intercalated or an extra lunation, that 13th lunation that lines it back up again. And um, that, that scroll just blew my mind when I found it and started really piecing it together. I could not believe what I just discovered. It was wild. It's Jubilee 6 playing out before our eyes and understanding okay. that, yes, the moon has a pattern, but no, it is not for months. It is it is amazing to see how perfect and how precise our creator's calendar truly is. And I just want to preface this by, by saying, if this was difficult to understand, please do not feel alone. It probably took me three months to understand what Michael just went over in the last 10 minutes there. Uh, and he had to explain it to me almost every day. So it is a little bit difficult to, to, again, to understand at first, but when you dig in and you start to see it play out, you know, uh, what we're seeing here, the, the, you know, what he just showed in, in this month one, you know, the first year, uh, the full, the first year of the cycle, the full moon is on the fourth day of, of the, of the week, the first day of the first month, boom, it is right there. It is just so cool to be able to see the same thing they observed. We can observe still today. And Micah went about a hundred years in each direction using this pattern. And again, it is so perfect and precise to see how this falls out. Uh, it's it's just a really, really awesome uh, thing to point out. So if I may, guys, what uh, without having all of your calendar information available right now, as far as your pre-made slides, um, if, could you guys go back to that last slide that he was just breaking down the wording? Um, yeah, right there. The moon pattern in DDS. Um, so if you're saying every fourth year is this is what you're saying. Every fourth year is when the sun and the moon set together and re realign. Is that what you're getting at? Well, it's, it's, it's actually every first year they give you a, I think, I believe that there's a four year pattern in the scrolls to show us that it starts over at year one again, okay. actually. Okay. Uh, yes. uh, yeah. Okay. So yep. yeah, the fourth year technically is the start of the first, the new first year yep. in a three, three year cycle is yep. what you're saying, right? So yeah. yep. and that, and you're in, this is what we were saying about an hour ago, talking about the correlation of the sun and the moon getting to a place where they're, I don't know the exact proper terminology to use. I don't want to use the word conjunctive, but just that the sun and the moon are setting together in the same well, places yeah. that we know that that's the beginning point of resetting back to. And actually, Sean, each year the sun and the moon will set together in the same gate. It's not always going to be a full moon that is setting, um, you know, at this, at the time of, of the equinox. Uh, but what we are seeing is that, you know, in the, in the, the a year one of, of this counting, uh, we are seeing a full moon on the, first day of of the year so that would be you know kind of that that second witness but the the psalm 104 where they set together that is a phenomenon that we can observe every year where they will set within the, the same gate yeah and it's always going to be in the the months um either right before or right after the equinoxes where you'll see that happen so it, it could be in the uh the 12th and first months as well as the sixth and seventh months you could see the the moon and the sun setting in the same place 
but it's not necessarily at the same time, like Zach said, because when it's a full moon, you see the sun set in the west, and right as it sets, the moon comes up full in the east at the same time. So then the moon follows the sun, which is why it said uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls from uh, in the center of heaven from evening to, or from evening till morning, the moon goes. It basically it rules the night the entire night long, and it rises when the sun sets and sets when the sun rises on that day. So. Um, which is an amazing thing to watch too. That is a, a beautiful thing to watch. But so forgive, um, my, forgive my, my questioning yeah. on this, but cause I'm just yeah. trying to, I, I feel like I'm in the place Zach was right. Where I'm almost mm -hmm. explained uh, several times um, because I have read these same verses before and I've tried to put them together, but admittedly I haven't spent as much time as you have on these, on these verses. So I'm also um, it's, it's, a, this may say, this may be uh, an uninformed statement I'm about to make, but I almost want to make, you know, I'm the firmamentalist. I, I jokingly call myself the firmamentalist. I almost want to make a glass firmament, like a, almost like a, a porticello, you know, like an outdoor mm -hmm. gazebo with a, the top of it is like a glass firmament. And then I could start tracking these things in the sky all around mm -hmm. me and start drawing lines in, in the interior of that glass firmament like gates so that I could figure out this three year cycle. Would that be yep. a way to do it? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. It, would I still? Only, would I still know? I guess my big question is: Is there a way we can? Have you guys in your research ever come to an actual conclusion on how you can literally determine with certainty, according to the cycles of the sun and moon, when this reset year is? So you know, one hundred percent. Is that how so you guys came to your calendar? Yeah. Let's let's look at the next set of slides really quick, and I'm going to walk through this, and and then I'll get into that because. What I did is, uh, Zach mentioned, I went back 100 years, and I, I actually downloaded calendars from timeanddate.com, and it tells you um, at the bottom here of each month, it tells you when the moons fell on the calendar. And so what I did is, is I, I uh, downloaded all these calendars, and then I applied the pattern that we just went through to the, to the first month, basically with the, the first day of the first month, the 20th day of the first month, and the 10th day of the first month. Um, but I only used um, the, the first month instead of all of the different things that it tells us in that scroll. So in 2005, the year would have started on the 23rd. And you can see down below, there's a, a full moon on the 25th, I believe. It's really tiny, but I think it's the 25th it's got there. Here, I'm going to actually try something here. See if I can make this full screen so I can see it better. Make sure I'm not. There we go. Yeah, so it's the 25th. So it's a couple days off, but it's still close, okay? So then if we go to the next slide, so that would be like a year one uh, or a year uh year one type of a pattern then if you if you were to intercalate and this is just a, a method i tried as i was trying different patterns to find an answer to the question you just asked if you intercalate or do the reset that you're talking about at a seven day week so we don't break the seven day cycle it's not counted in any either year you just happen to land on a day that's a new moon it's it's a you know like the the conjunction or sliver moon as opposed to a full moon. So then you skip to the next one. And now the the month would start on the 28th. 
and then you go 20 days and you've got the month starting on the 16th, which the 17th is a new moon. So that would be the 20th day of the first month, which would match that pattern where it would fall on the second or on the 20th day in the second year. Uh, and then go to the next slide. And this year, the year would start on the 26th of March. And then you'd have a, a new moon on the 10th day, according to that scroll. And there, the fourth is a is a uh, the day it would be. And there's a new moon on the fifth. So again, it's it's really close. This keeps happening. Next slide. So this is tw the uh, 2009. It would have been on the 25th, and you have a new moon on the 26th. Next slide. So that would be like a year one. Here we have uh, the year starting on the 24th, and that would be the 20th. It would be a year two, so it should be the 20th day of the first month would be a new moon, and you have one on the 14th. Still Micah, very I got, close. Micah, I apologize, brother. I got to admit, yeah. I'm struggling to follow this part. I don't okay. know if it's because the numbers are so small on the screen or because... It probably is, and I, I'm really sorry. It, so let me try to okay, explain man. this better. So if we go back to the pattern I described with the, the first year, you have... Uh, a full moon in the scrolls on the first day of the first month and then in year two you have a full moon on the 20th day of the first month right, in year right. three you have a full moon on the 10th day of the first month it's that same pattern all that right. happened is is um if you add a week after seven years what you end up with is for seven years you have a new moon pattern follows the same thing as this on the screen then the next seven years after uh, uh, an added week between years, you have a full moon pattern for seven years. And then you add another week after seven years and you have a new moon pattern for seven years. And it just keeps flipping like that if you add a week after every seven years. And that's so the pattern that I found. Basically, it's, okay, a, it's so a very in-depth way of explaining what we're seeing here. Uh, the full moon uh, on the fourth day, the first, uh, the first day of the first month. Um, and then after seven years, that, that would switch. And what we're seeing is a new moon on the fourth day, the first day of the first month. Why I believe this is crucial is because if we're only seeing new moons to start these years, what does it tell us about the gospel account with where the, the Passovers seem to be? Uh, again, oh, without getting into a, a conversation that is... You guys just took it to like a whole different level. Yeah. This, We've this done debates really on, the, on the Passovers. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to keep it. I'm at this point. At the, guys, y'all, this is so amazing information. Clearly, we're gonna, you know, if y'all are willing, we'll have to have you back on for further elaboration. But, um, I mean, I, I've watched your presentations. I've studied your work. I've studied these same verses. I gotta admit, I'm still getting up a little bit lost at this. Oh point. yeah. I, so, it took me hours and hours and hours of researching and studying this and reading it over and over and over and over again. Before yeah. it clicks just, for me. Real quick though, I just oh. want to I just want to yeah. make sure I understand so that the audience mm -hmm. I can I can make this this uh, disclaimer, if you will, to the audience. Now, what you were just trying to explain with all the calendars with the tiny print yep. was not something that we see in Enoch, and that's not something that we see in Jubilees, but that's you, specifically you, Micah, trying to find mm -hmm. patternization within the current calendar and moons in order to try to figure out the question I asked you, which was. How yes. do we determine the reset date to know mm -hmm. definitively the start of the year for these calendars? And that's where you had come up for multiple years. You went and tried to find this pattern. But in yep. your research, you didn't find one pattern. You found two varying patterns. 
Well, it flips back and forth, but it's a, it's a varying pattern, yes, but it's a consistent one that keeps happening over a long, long period of time. So, so here's the question I have then. Hmm? Any scripture in Enoch or Jubilees that might, or in this, the Dead Sea Scrolls, that you found that that is going to lead to that varying flipping pattern? Well, the reason I the reason I uh, even tried it, okay, is because the difference between uh, the 364 day uh, Enoch calendar year versus what at least science tells us is 365.24 approximately days on average in a year uh, is it's a problem to try to figure out how you deal with it, okay? So I was trying to find something that used Enoch and Jubilees telling us that there's 10 days different between the lunar and solar years, okay? Um, and this this pattern on screen from the Dead Sea Scrolls telling us the 10-day difference as well. I was trying to find a pattern that would still match with all of those things. And okay. the only pattern I found that makes all of them work together is this one. Okay. Okay. It doesn't, I'm not saying, I'm not going to stand up here tonight and say, this is for sure the way it works. But what I will say is it's the only one I found that does match everything um, and work, even though, yes, it says full moon in this, in this 4Q321. Um, if we only go with full moons always, and we're using the, the data that science gives us for the sun and moon, or you know, both in past history and future, um, it's the only way it works. Now, I am still ob observing to see what actually happens in the heavens, because just like with the, the biblical cosmology issue, I don't trust what I would consider scientism, right. okay? Sure. Yeah. To absolutely for sure be correct. So I'm still observing. And if I were to find that the moon actually continues to follow the exact pattern um, described in the in the sections of Enoch we have and in the Dead Sea Scrolls and it never changes from it, then I'm going to ignore timeanddate.com and NASA and all these places that have told us what the moon and, and sun patterns are. And I'm going to follow what I see with my own eyes. Um, but to this point, it's so far I haven't, you know, watched long enough to be able to make that determination. So the only data I have that I can actually go back and check is to use this data from timeanddate.com and other websites like it to try to find a pattern. And this is the only one that actually matched everything and works. Now, you know, I I would love, honestly, if we found that the moon always stays on course and never changes and doesn't match what science tells us, because that would just be so amazing. Um, but that remains to be seen yet. You know, it's it's a really hard question to know um, how do the seasons that we, that we observe, the actual warming and cooling cycles, how are they staying in line with the Gregorian calendar if science is lying to us and there's really only 364 days in a year? I don't know the answer to that. Um, so, but what I did want to say with regard to this, and Zach will probably have something to share on this as well, is that we really struggled with how to deal with this. This is sure. a hard, hard question. And what we ended up doing is, is I looked at, I talked with countless people that have really studied this deeply. Um, I studied it for 
hundreds and hundreds of hours trying to find the answer to this question. And none of the, there was about seven methods that we came up with that we all thought were legitimate possibilities. So uh, Zach and myself and another brother decided that we were going to, we needed to cast lots to try to determine which one was the correct one because we just couldn't, couldn't for sure say. So we each in our three separate homes uh, put eight uh, numbers in a jar or in a bowl. And um, the eighth one was for other in case none of the ones we had were correct. The seven, there were seven methods that I felt like were all good. And we all drew number four on our first draw. And number four happens to match the pattern that I found um, to, you know, that we were trying to show you that's super confusing. Uh, it happens to be that one. That's what number four was when we listed them all out. So that's what we went with. But again, if, if Yah clearly shows through continual observation over the next several years that there isn't a change, you know, there's another factor in all this too. Um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, everywhere where it says full moon, that is the Hebrew word, I believe it's either duke or duka, um, that's used in the, in the scrolls there. And there's differing opinion from scholars on what that word means. In most cases, it's translated as full moon, but there's a number of scholars that believe it actually should be new moon. So I'm still working on studying that out, but it could be translated wrong. It's possible it could be translated wrong. So there's a number of factors we're working with here trying to still figure that out. But what, what's most important to me is, is we're really, really close. If we're not already on the correct calendar, we're really, really close within a, you know, a few days possibly of finding the answer. And I think we just need to get more people digging and searching and seeking this out, seeking Yah and asking, praying for revelation to show us for sure what the answer is on this this question. Because everything else is perfectly clear between Enoch Jubilees, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and Canon. It, it all works. All of the, the, the calendrical documents, everything matches. This one point is a challenge. It's, it's not an easy one. And so what I've wondered is, is say we're maybe not supposed to um, do intercalation ever, but maybe uh, the lot fell for this pattern because he just wanted to get us on the new moons to start the year. If maybe this is a mistranslation and should say new moon instead of full moon. I just, I don't know for sure. And, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that have studied this deeply. Almost everybody has an opinion and says it works this way. I'll just be honest. I don't know for sure. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But I'm seeking hard, and I believe if we continue to seek, he will show us. Because it's the glory of, of Yah to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to seek, seek it out. And we just need to keep seeking, and he'll show us this last piece. It's the only piece that's not for sure. Everything else is, is, is perfectly clear. With this so this is, this is where Judaism gets a 13th month, right? Yes. They basically just say, okay, Absolutely. we're going to save up some of these extra days over time and then just celebrate yep. a third, uh, full wait for a full month to, to accrue, mm -hmm. celebrate an extra month, which in that case means just a calendar has changed and not the actual observance of the sun and moon. Yes. So I, I understand why there's people in the chat talking about that. But at the same time, 
um, that's that's nowhere in scripture. So right. that, that brings up a problem. Are we following the book? Or are we not? And that's mm-hmm. the problem we're trying to solve here as we investigate these things. Um, and, and I think you mentioned earlier, Mike, about a, a seven days extra. What can you, can you remind me where that's coming from? Yeah. So the seven days extra mm-hmm. is basically in a 364 day year. If there really is six, 365 and a quarter days in a solar year. Okay. Mm-hmm. If we're going to try to observe the sign of the, either the equinox or the equilux, depending on, on which it is. Um, I, I kind of went over that earlier. I believe it would be the equinox because it's the same. It's on the same day all over the earth every year. So if we're going to uh, try to, to see the sign, then start our year. And there is a difference between the calendar year and what the sun is doing then in order to every seven years or so, in order to keep in line with that equinox and start the year after it, we would have to add some amount of days. So the, the thought is it should be seven days because otherwise if you added any other number of days, it would interrupt the seven day cycle of the Shabbat. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't continue to be that perfect uh, 364 day year that we see described in the Dead Sea Scrolls over and over and over, it never changes. Um, so that's a theory uh, if there is a difference between the 365 and 364, that you would have to do something like that. There's other theories such as, you know, a lot of people are starting their year um, the day after the equinox every year. They make the, the equinox a day zero. But what that does is once every year, you end up skipping a day, uh, and now your Shabbat is shifting one day. I personally struggle with that because now you're breaking the Sabbath cycle. Okay, and and you know I can see some reasons why people do it, but you're breaking the Sabbath cycle once a year if you do that. Now you don't can have I, a perfect unbroken seven-day cycle, and I struggle with yeah, that. Um, right, and then yeah, that's, the other that's, thought. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to throw something real quick in the mix before we get too far away from it. This is actually could be what. Okay. So the next thing I'm going to say, I just I want to make sure the audience knows that this is pure. You're watching uh, me brainstorm mm-hmm. right now. Okay? Normally yep. I'll do a presentation. I'll, I'll go over scriptures. I have everything prepared. I want to say I'm brainstorming with Micah right now. Okay. Because this passage in scripture has always made me wonder about something. And this could be what we're looking at, what you're, what you're theorizing with this extra seven days. And I'm mm-hmm. going to put the screen real quick, guys. Uh, give me one second. So this is, um, this is found in second Chronicles 30. So this is when Hezekiah took over the kingdom and he wanted to have Passover again. And he wanted to celebrate it with all the tribes, even some of the, the remnants of those that had formerly been scattered mm-hmm. from the 10 tribes. And they invited them all. It's much too big. They invited them all to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Passover and unleavened bread. And when they get there, they, you know, they actually have to do second Passover because some of the priests weren't prepared yet with their, their cleansing. So once they actually get to second Passover and they celebrate for seven days, but then they decided to celebrate it an entire extra seven days. And I always wondered like, why? Mm-hmm. That's weird. And I don't know if it has anything to do with what you're saying. I just think they felt licensed to yeah. take another seven-day feast, that's 14 days. 
so I don't know if that if if that has anything to do with what you're saying. If you're yeah. trying to calculate this extra week somewhere somehow, but that's just always stuck out to me as really strange. Yeah, no, I, I I understand. I mean, Solomon does the same thing with the dedication of the temple, um, and there's there's a few other places we see things like that in scripture where it definitely brings up a question. I'm not sure if if that's what it means or not. Um, you know, I, I really do wish I could just come on here and say, here's how it works. Um, but I'm not willing to do that because um, I haven't found any passage that specifically help, tells us how to deal with the difference between a, a solar year and the 364-day calendar yet. And I have looked. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent on this one topic. I have no idea. It's so many. I've talked to so many people on the phone you know, video chats, reading articles. I have looked everywhere I know to look and I haven't found a single passage that addresses it. So it's it's just a continue to seek and wait for Yah to show us. Um, and I believe the heavens will declare it if we are willing to take the time to look for maybe 14 to 21 years. You know, if he doesn't reveal it some other way, I think we'll be able to see in about probably 14 years we should be able to see. Um, so I have, you know, Jerry Morris started prior to 2015. He really, really started tracking in 2015, I believe. Um, and he, you know, talked with different people. I think he kind of had it nailed down from 2013, what was going on. So I think we have witnesses that I trust anyways, back to 2013. So we've got to go forward a few more years into time before we can really see if the, if the, Moon and the day of equal day and night are going to continue on the same pattern that Enoch says, or if possibly the fact that we don't have the entire book of Enoch today, uh, maybe there's some sections of the luminary section that are missing. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk yeah, about that, and I think it's very possible that he would tell us clearly if we had the rest. Um, how to well, do it, huge, I mean, but, but the, whatever the, the case, I think we have, we have just a few more years. Yeah. The, the Enoch that we do have is Go a ahead. collection of, of multiple manuscripts. So we don't, we know with, yeah. the, with the Enoch we have, we don't have the fullness of his writings. Um, in fact, right. there's a ton of stuff that the Testament of Twelve Patriarchs talks about reading in the book of Enoch that we don't have in the current right. book of Enoch. So that's, right. that's a huge uh, indicator right there. But you think it has anything? Okay, so here maybe sometimes when you're trying to figure out a, a mystery or a clue, sometimes you have to just ask the right question because if the wrong questions are being asked, there's a lot of presuppositions in those wrong questions. This is like you know Columbo Columbo 101 stuff, right? So, what if the question is being posed backwards? What if the question is well, according to our current Gregorian concept of 365 days in a year, where you know we have this this problem trying to align it with the Enochian calendar? Well, what if built into that assumption is that we have to align it? Wouldn't I mean, from what I've heard from you guys tonight, would you said, are you suggesting that the, the Jubilee's Neonite calendar kind of realigns itself, but you still have some days that are off even after those realignments? Well, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, the over, over time, I mean, even if you take 1.25 days, which, you know, 365.25 mm -hmm. and 364, and you expound that over a number of years, your seasons will start to change, right? So you're, so unless, 
again, without getting way off into left field and into some type of conspiratorial topic about seasons being modified and, and weather modification and what, whatever that might be, there would need to be a way to correct how seasons would start to shift backwards but by, you know. Yeah, that, but that's my question, though, is that's the assumption, is that if, mm -hmm. if we follow 364 for three total years to get to that fourth reset year, then we would be off by 3.75 days, right? Correct. So with 3.75 days, then you say, okay, well, that adds up pretty quick. I mean, in like, you know, mm -hmm. 30 years, you got a whole month that you got a problem yep. with here. So you got that, that definitely, right, that messes up. The, the equinoxes of, of when, or, or at least when you observe them compared to when you see them in the sky. But according to what Micah's research is saying, you, Mike, are you suggesting you may actually run into a place as you keep observing these things where on their reset years, like what happens if the sun just resets and makes up for those, right. that extra day or that extra three mm -hmm. days? Yeah, is that exactly. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point is it's possible that the sun and the moon are actually going to go rogue from what science tells us they do, but really be doing what they're supposed to do and reset right, without. Right. Yeah. It's possible. It would just, it would just never be, it would never yeah. be talked about in modern astronomy because they can't explain it. So they would never bring right. it up. And, yeah. and, well, and they Mike would want to hide it from us. Yeah. And that's why Micah mentioned timelines such as 14 and 21 years, because the only way to know that would be to observe it using items like timeanddate.com and when, you know, new right. moons did occur or solstices occurred or equinoxes occurred are only going by what they tell us. There's, there's no right. way to know without observation. And that's the only, I would, I would say downside to pinpointing how this is perfected would be observation. Only time, only right. time can tell if it's going to do what, you know, the scriptures right. say it's going to do. Well, this um, is fascinating. Uh, I, I know we got you short, on some of the slides you had to prepare. Yeah. Um, it, it's really up to you guys. We're at two and a half hours. So it's up to you guys. No, you I honestly think this is a, is a perfect way to kind of end and, and, and recap. And, and I will say some, some of these detailed slides were only kept in here for if the question was posed of how do you determine to start the year? And, and since sure. I was asked, that was really the only reason we, we dove into it um, in a, in a, you know, an intro type study, I mean, this is something that, you know, we wouldn't even want to touch for, for, you know, hours and hours yeah. into a, an intro, an intro study. Um, but I would, I would like Zach if we would just hit four more slides and they're just super quick ones, um, starting in, I think it's either 79 or 80. Um, let's see, uh, the next one right here. Okay. So this is a Sabbath psalm. There was 13 Sabbath psalms found in the Dead Sea Scrolls um, and of the 52. And um, so David wrote this, and I just wanted to point out that the first Sabbath is on the fourth day of the first month, according to, to this psalm that David wrote. So um, that would be every year. So if you count backwards, then the first day of the first month is always going to be on a fourth day if you count backwards from the fourth day of the month which is on the seventh day of the week it's always we're starting to get some lag again on on uh on your side micah
Uh, I think he's just frozen now. Okay. Hey, brother, you still there, Micah? You still there? Can you go? Can you go to then? Did you did? Hey, brother, you're. Did you. Yeah, I didn't catch anything. That's what I. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can said. hear me or not, brother. Uh, but we didn't catch anything okay. of that last slide. Um. <laughs> he's struggling tonight. Yeah. yeah. This is hard. I. I can. You're back. Hear you. You guys, can you hear me again? You're frozen. Sorry, brother. We're really struggling me? with your audio. Okay. Yeah. Trying now. Zach, Zach, is this something you know? What he's trying yeah, to say? So basically, what Mike is pointing out to us here is how the the Sabbath Psalms are are highlighting these. Can you hear me? The Sabbath Psalms are highlighting these these three hundred and sixty these three hundred four days. Yeah, we're, do you we're, want to, Zach? Do you? Do? Yeah, I, I keep cycling in and out. Hey, Zach. Mike, are we going to hear me? Mike, I think we're going to have to cut cut you short. Uh, you're starting to starting to cycle out. Um, but you know. What Mike is highlighting here are these, you know, the, the different calendar dates within the Dead Sea Scrolls and how we can uh, see them play out again in, in these scrolls lining up for these 300, these 364 days. So the same thing here, you know, the beginning of the second month is on the sixth day of the week. They're, they're highlighting for us how the uh, how the, the the priestly lines also line up with these dates. So, again, it's just compiling all this information together. Um, and, and seeing how the puzzle pieces fit is what's so exciting for us to, to continue to see. Um, no, what, I think the exciting thing to start adding into all of this is the role of the stars and, and really understanding them. Um, and kind of, I think this is a good way to, to stop because uh, this is one that's uh, really mysterious to all of us because uh, one of the questions is, is if when you start reading Enoch, are the constellations that we know of today really the constellations and the, the signs that Enoch is referring to, or is the wandering stars, uh, what we know as planets, one to that we need to be watching and not necessarily the, the Maseroth or the, uh, the constellations as we know, but more of the wandering stars. So I think that'll be a segment for, uh, for the, the new series that's coming out uh, on, uh, on your channel. Uh, again, some awesome, awesome stuff to talk about here. I know we've kept everybody about an hour and a half longer than a, than a normal stream. The dug into a ton of different tangents on the calendar. Um, I think you know there's probably ten or twelve different sections tonight that we covered that all could have about an hour each of of explanation and, and diving into. Um, but you know we try to take questions in, in stride sometimes uh, and, and dig a little bit deeper when you know when we're discussing certain topics that I think have interest to people. So. Um, again, sorry to paint such a, a broad stroke here with the discussion yeah, tonight. Okay. I know we've gone a lot of lot of different tangents, uh, but, but I hope we've covered some some interesting topics that at least intrigue the minds to dig into this calendar a little bit more. Yeah, broad brush is okay, brother. I mean, it's a lot of information that people are are trying to study on their own as well. There's a lot of people in my audience that have followed your calendar already. They followed you guys' videos and your work. 
So I appreciate you coming on here and giving us some more exposure to that. Um, hopefully they were able to see that there's a lot more than what we discussed tonight. And we would love to get into that at a later date if you guys are willing to come back on. Uh, but at this point, um, we just haven't, we had technical issues to even start guys. So I apologize about this tonight, but uh, we're, we're still dealing with it. But, uh, you know, this could be even something where in the future, maybe we pre-film it. So we know there's no technical issues and then I can just upload it. And then maybe, maybe we can just set a specific time to just do a Q and a with you guys. That way they, they get the bulk of the information unhindered. And then we can just go to a, a live Q and a with you guys, if you decide to do something like that. But, um, so anyway, thank you guys for joining me. This is awesome. I have a lot to study and a lot to look at and, um, and I'll definitely be following your work as well and to see what, what you guys come to. And you, you guys gave me an idea. Like I actually might build my own little glass dome ferment to put in the sky. So if I know it's in the same place every year, I can start to track these things and uh, I can maybe without having a high def camera, I can maybe make one of my own little pictures behind me. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So you guys want any last words for you go? I'd, I'd appreciate you for having us on. I appreciate, you know, everybody who's tuning in for, um, you know, willing, being, you know, willing to test the things, being willing to test the, the narrative that we've been taught, being willing to test the traditions that we've inherited. Uh, as the prophet Jeremiah says, uh, there's going to come a time when we're going to fall to our knees and cry out, Father, we have inherited lies. And, and I think we need to continue to do that and continue to just pray that the scales would would fall off and that we would just seek him with all of our hearts, not just in areas that interest us, not just in areas where uh, it, it tickles our ears, but we would truly follow him regardless of how hard and difficult uh, the road ahead might be. Absolutely. Micah, any last words, brother? Absolutely. I don't know if you guys can still hear me, but I would just say, you know, if anybody has any questions, just reach out and uh, we'd love to answer them. So my house ministry. Yeah, guys, go to, go to myhouseministries.net. Yeah. Yeah. Myhouseministries.net. That's where you guys can find more information. You can find their calendar. You can download a PDF for yourself. And um, I think it's uh, Passover is April 7th this year, right? First day of 11 breads, April 7th. So that means Passover. Technically, if we were still in the land of Israel, it would be April 6th. So this is the one that my wife and I are going to keep this year um, because of the variety of reasons that we talked about tonight. But um, no matter which calendar, clearly, hopefully you heard us tonight discuss that neither one is perfect. So we're still finding the most consistent one that we see with all the scriptures. And I think this is a very interesting topic because the enemy intentionally tried to hide it to the point where it's prophesied through a prophet of Yahweh that the that the enemy would try to hide this thing. And that's to me, that just makes it, that's, just, that's fascinating that why there's such interest in this topic. And if nothing more than just to keep people from realizing that this is an organized place that the father created just for us, these lights in the sky were to shine down upon the earth. A lot of people don't realize the lights in the sky, they weren't created for the levels of the firmament above. They were just for us. That says something that's amazing, but that's an opposite story of what we're told growing up in school. That's an opposite story of what you'll hear in freshman astronomy in college. And that's an opposite story that you'll hear when you turn on the, the science channel or the astronomy channel, or you listen to star talk with, um, with, uh, the, what's his name? What's his name? I, I'm, I'm going blank. Uh, the, the astronomer from the, the New York museum, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. So like, you know, if you're listening to his podcast and you hear him talk about all these fanciful ideas and all this, this is literally guys, a Gnostic occult, a theology that they've created to where suddenly 
you you don't even know where the father is and all these lights in the sky they're not for you they're just a random accident and you're benefiting from them but that's the opposite story of what we're told in the scriptures so hopefully this has been edifying to everyone tonight brothers again i thank you for coming on and uh, we hope to have you back on in the future so guys go check out their their site and uh, show them some love and we will see you guys um, at a later date thanks for joining us tonight